Hoover Street here. Officials say it's one of the most dangerous streets in all of Los Angeles. And now... Like, I, I was not brought up to hate Jews. I had friends that were Jewish, and believe me, I watched Schindler's Listen. I watched Schindler's List with my family on NBC back in the 90s. Commercial free. I've never seen a movie ever on network television that's commercial free. But we watched that, and that left such an impact. And then I watched Life and Beautiful, and I cried. And when Roberto Benigni won the Academy Award, I was so moved when he walked over the seats and, and got his Academy Award. And now I know it's all Jewish filth and propaganda and you toyed with my emotions and you toy with the American people and you you committed genocide against the German people. That was a beautiful, so, so, beautiful so culture and you destroyed... Six months after 9-11, the Gallup poll of Islamic countries found that an overwhelming majority of those surveyed believed the attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon had not been the work of Arabs. Well-educated Egyptians and Saudis believe that the Israelis were behind the murder of 3,000 innocents on 9-11. One of the widely disseminated stories was that no Jews died in the collapse of the trade towers because they had received calls telling them not to go to work that day. To tell you the truth, I got the Jew call. I had an office in the Trade Center where I used to do most of my writing. The call came from former New York Mayor Ed Koch. Al, he told me, don't go to work on the 23rd day of the lull. Hey, I'm Natalie Biden, and I just turned 18. All right. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in here this Friday. It is November the 4th, 2022. Hope you're all doing well and having a wonderful uh, afternoon, evening, or maybe early morning, depending on where you are. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. RedEyes.tv, of course, main website. If you want to check out our members' content, RedEyesMembers.com. You can also sign up actually over at Odyssey right now. They do have memberships there uh, or over at Subscribestar. So we have a jam-packed show today, as usual. Of course, more of the drama with uh, Elon Musk and uh, ADL, essentially, with his Twitter purchase. That's continuing and going on, so we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then also we had some big news here when it comes to the uh, U.S. demographics. A new census uh, has actually been released, and I think it's for it's for 2020, I think it is. Uh, they do it every 10 years, I believe. And so we actually have uh, Millennial Woes with us today to actually cover that and talk about that since he's uh, more familiar with the situation over there. Uh, so thank you, Woes, for uh, jumping in. Kind of last minute here, guest hosting with me today. How are you? Uh, hello, and uh Thank you for inviting me on. Yeah, it was a bit last minute. Uh, <laughs> I should say that I've lent my uh, big camera to a friend, and that's why I'm appearing by avatar only. So uh, don't worry, it's uh, I've not downgraded or anything. It's just that I'm <laughs> unable to appear in the usual manner. Um, no worries. Because I know that good. people prefer, I mean, I prefer it as well when you can actually see the people. But anyway, it's true. Um, yeah, so it, it's been a while uh, since I can't remember it was the a last while. time I was on. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. And we've had um, a n number of things happen here, with, especially in the UK, of course, with Rishi and stuff that I want to ask you about. Rishi Sunak, you know, the, the World Economic yeah, yeah. Forum candidate and the, with the census and everything else and just the overall situation in the UK with even the... Uh, actually, we have a little bit on that later on about the energy situation. I mean, it's happening all over the Europe and it's just kind of insane, to be honest. But And I still haven't been able to confirm if Liz Truss or not actually sent that message to... Um, 
Oh, who was it she sent it to? Uh, it's done. Was it to, not to Zelensky, right? It was to, to like Blinken or something like that. You're, do you know I think so, what story yeah. I'm I think talking about? someone in America. Yeah, yeah. that's I'm right. I'm fairly sure. After Nord Stream 2, by the way. Genuine. Uh, was that said uh, again? Well, we, do, we don't know if it was genuine. That, that's exactly. Trouble, but yeah. Yep. Apparently uh, our phone was hacked and there was some stuff uh, that actually got out. So anyway, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens there. But anyway, uh, some uh, quick uh, housekeeping here before we dive into the topics, guys. Um, if you want to join us, Super Chats, enterprisestream.live slash TV. It's open over at Rumble and on Odyssey as well. As you guys know, we go out on multiple uh, places. I think Telegram is up and running, which it wasn't last show, but I think it's up and running right now. And uh, what else? We got Float. Uh, you can actually do, you can watch on YouTube. We have a kind of a burner account over there. You can search for uh, Gothic Boar over on uh, YouTube, and uh, that could uh, well we'll see how long it lasts. But you know, if you if you must, you can watch over there. All right. Anyway, so uh, so was yeah, it was a while ago. Uh, I know that you're uh, gearing up for uh, Millennial here. When when uh, when do you kick off? By the way, uh, that will probably be the tenth of December. Uh, so I, I do it every year for anyone. Uh, doesn't know that uh, Millennial is a set of interview streams done over the festive period every year, and it's of a distant right perspective mainly. Although I do try to get people on from you know, the centre and from the left, but they just <laughs> they just don't want anything to no, do with me. No. Uh, with, well, I don't <laughs> know if it's me specifically, but definitely the 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 controversy. So it's just impossible, and it's a shame because I'm at the point where I would actually quite like to speak to different types of people but yeah so as it, i mean it was originally quite a bit more mixed uh, in 2017 for example but um yeah that's not really happening uh, <laughs> but uh, there, there is a, a mix of people from the mo from our sphere yeah uh, who are appearing this year so uh, it's going to be about 60 live streams so it's four a day for um 13 days and then two big ones at the end after christmas nice so All right. that, yeah that's awesome so there you go. looking forward yeah. to that of course as usual uh yeah it's it's man that's a lot of a lot of live streams i know you always burn out afterwards <laughs> i can imagine <laughs> like holy shit yeah. 60 it's like uh she all right. Uh, anyway, yeah, let's uh, let's do let's do a couple of these real quick here. Uh, Pat over on Interview Stream simply says uh, good quell. Uh, good evening. Thank you, Pat, for joining us. Appreciate that. Like in Warrior sends a link and says uh, insomnia among blacks caused by uh, racism. Uh, really interesting. Feds paid. Let me, I got to show this on screen here. Feds paid nearly what what is it? One point two million dollars to study if poor sleep is caused by racism. Really? All right. I, I'm not surprised. The center square I've never heard that before. Na the National Institute of Health, which is Fauci's thing, right? He says resigning now, has issued more than a million dollars via taxpayer-funded medical research grants to find evidence that racism is to blame for poor sleep in minority communities. I thought uh, I thought most things uh, was you can actually blame for uh, racism these days. Oh yeah, it's remarkable how many things. I mean, it's kind of like how so many different things are blamed for the for myocarditis, yeah, <laughs> rather, exactly. than, rather than blame the vaccine. You know, uh, in a similar way, so many things are. Uh, well, it, it's racism. It's white people's racism, and people have made fun about of this. You know, there are all these different things like, well, black people don't like going to the countryside, and uh, black people aren't good at swimming, and they don't like going to going swimming because they feel whatever. Uh, they, white people are looking down on them um, I mean yeah it's, it's a whole massive panoply of things that supposedly are caused by racism because that's 
easier than admitting that we're simply different people. Yeah, what well, was it? Myocarditis, going back to that, it was um, climate change, video games, laughing too much, I guess doing any kind of sports, obviously, but it was like a gardening, myriad of things. Gardening. Gardening. Changing. Oh, Changing the bed sheets to was, was that true? Was that true? That story? I tried I be, to find I it. I believe but. so. <laughs> oh, really? I, I'll I'll Google it right now and see because we don't want to. But at, at any rate, no. <laughs> they've been trying really damn hard. You know, we laugh here, yeah. but it's I mean, it's it's a vicious, disgusting uh, uh, tragedy that have happened here with the uh, mRNA rollout and, and the consequences. I mean, we, we are seeing some countries beginning to recognize the excess deaths right now. And, and as, you, as you're alluding to, they will do they will take any other excuse than to recognize the the jab you know yeah oh absolutely and and th this this has been a massive thing for the I, I know that you've covered it many times as well so so have i on my my weekly show and on millennial for the last two years it's been a huge uh treasure trove of talking points and new insights into the way that our world actually works i mean it, yeah. certainly it was for me there will be people listening who kind of knew all of this before but for me it was definitely a huge eye-opener oh um, absolutely yeah at least the way they just did it and the compliance the level of comp compliance for so many people absolutely. that was remarkable you know absolutely I, I was actually saying to a friend last night um the migrant crisis in 2015 probably should have taught us more than it did we should probably have realized more from it than we than we did um for example the degree of unification across well everything and uh from the, the media the ngos the governments the globalist entities uh all of that um but also the 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 funding the ability to get stuff done the signal the messaging the narrative control the handling of objections from the internet uh so many things that what, what, that happened and of course the, the finding of money for it all because it, it must yeah. have cost a fortune now remember all the the uh the clothing the shelter the wi-fi the food the medical supplies for all of these migrants like two yeah. million in germany alone Ma that, that must have been a massive logistical challenge yeah then and the yet and then the it was just done easily uh, ex exactly and then the majority of them still haven't obviously not gotten into the workforce or anything like that right of i course, think it was some <laughs> you know four of like and, uh, yeah and everyone predicted that i mean they're never yeah, going to become yeah. full productive members of uh you know, northern european societies of course no not. no it, it's, it's absurd um so i i think in in different ways the migrant crisis served as a sort of pro not well a prototype i guess you could say or a, a phase one uh, and then covid was was the same but it was more obvious with covid and also another thing that was more obvious with covid is that like with the migrant crisis you could you could assume all of these journalists agree with it because they're terrified of being racist so it's the force of political correctness that's making them go along with it and uh voice support for it and so on but with covid you couldn't say that it wasn't about racism it wasn't about sexism any of the classism any of that homophobia that didn't come into at all and yet all of these journalists and politicians all of them were agreed uh, this is it was almost like it should have been something like a huge meteor coming towards the earth and everyone can see it so therefore there is no debate yeah it's just right. all you, know, you it's there you can all see it and that would explain the level of 
uh, agreement that was going on. Um, but instead, it was actually a topic that there should have been a lot of disagreement about. There should have been a lot of debate. There were a lot of questions. There were a lot of uncertainties. Um, but the media just pretended that there weren't. No, and those that did come out against it, and that included doctors, it included scientists and everything, they were, of course, uh, silenced and uh, bullied and censored. Absolutely. They lost their jobs. I mean, people who were experts in their fields, um, I mean, it was remarkable. So, and, and again, now, and now they want like amnesty. The, you can't, you uh, can't quite say that it's political correctness because it, right. it, it's not. It's something that's just come out of the blue. It's something that's just been pulled out of the hat, and suddenly everyone is on the right page yeah. regarding this issue. And I think that, so that made it clear. We now live in a world where uh, a topic can emerge from nowhere and all of the people who handle our, uh, well, our media, uh, will will immediately jump into line. That There's total conformity. Oh yeah. yeah. And a consensus. So in other words, the media is not what it pretends to be. It doesn't do the job that it claims to do. And it's completely un, uh, unfit for purpose, that for the purpose that the public want need it for. Yeah, the public need the media to uh, fact check the politicians and the powerful and so on, uh, and interrogate them. And there was absolutely none none of that happened. So basically, it's like the absolute definition of a corrupt society. Oh yeah, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, well, I'm not sure could define it as a fifth column or something like that, but just like an, another, uh, like, yeah, but yeah, an, another branch of government, really, or whatever you want to call it, where they just basically yeah. step in and bully everybody who who doesn't conform to the uh, to the uh, Pfizer, you know, uh, uh, government absolutely. line, essentially. Yeah. Absolutely. So it tells you who's actually in charge. Is that the, yeah. the national governments are actually irrelevant? So, and and I think up until then, a lot of people, I have to confess, including myself still thought that the national governments had some power. But COVID made it clear that they're really, they're just following orders. They, they, like the politicians really don't have much power. They, they on, in pa- on paper, they have power, but in reality, no. Um, they're not even people who would be good with power. They're, they're useless. So the, the people who have power are elsewhere. <clears throat> Yep, they're and, like uh, that, they're, yeah. That was made very, very clear. They're so in the, the NGOs, whole, the the corporations, the World Economic Forum. I mean, you do have people that that knows what they know what they're doing and in which direction they're pushing it. And and I mean, you know, the World Economic Forum thing is kind of like a surface conspiracy. It's a very open and open conspiracy, I guess you can say. I'm not even sure what the, if it would technically define as one as as such. Then because it's not secret, it's just like policy yeah. now, right? But it shows you. you know, he, he talked about how they infiltrated the cabinets and. They're all members of this or contributors of the of, uh, WF and stuff like that. So that I, I think taking the whole picture together, though, with what, what we, which what was exposed rather with the media have been um, very good at ha- at shaking some of these people out of their slumber over the last couple of years. And I think we have a larger segment now that are anti uh, vehemently anti uh, the media and the kind of the mainstream narrative as a, as a consequence of that. Yeah, definitely. And of course, Bill Gates did famously say that there had been more uh, pushback than he had predicted. There'd been more people hating him than he predicted. There were We were actually quite fairly good at uh, generating doubt uh, and skepticism about this stuff. So that was actually quite gratifying. You know, he obviously thought that it would be even easier than it was 
for for them and of course with the long term is i mean you could it would be worth talking about what the short term about what happened during those that year and a half but if we just skip to the long term what you're left with is a society where a huge number of people now know things are not as they seem exactly yeah and th that, that has just been <laughs> I, i'm sure that the powers that be didn't want that to happen but it, it, it has happened Exactly. Absolutely. And I'm going to take a couple of these real quick and then we'll dive into some of the uh, the first topics there. Dog Whistler says, uh, see, Jonathan Greenblatt has concern about Musk, but took a meeting uh, with him. And he is cautiously optimistic that Musk will be doing the technical fixes, business model adjustments wanted uh, 40 billion, but still get Greenblatt uh, to uh, two shekels to run a business. Yes, we have a story on that later. And it's quite incredible. There's a, I don't want to, let's, okay, we'll wait with that, but very good comment, and, and absolutely, I mean, Musk, he, he can, <laughs> let's see how much IQ he has, and he can, if he can figure this one out, let me put it that way, but we'll return to that. Thank you, Dog Whistler. Uh, the second wanderer says, uh, apparently your fellow Swede, uh, Greta Thunberg, is also an economist, now blaming our economic situation on racism. Yes, I saw, the, I think I showed the headline at least the other day here. Uh, Greta Thunberg calls for overthrow of the whole capital system. I agree, but I don't think we want the same system at the end of it, right? Uh, but yeah, I did see that. It's kind of funny. This, uh, is, this is one of these weird things that goes on now where the, the powerful tell the public that the powerful have got to be overthrown. It's, yeah. so, it's so bizarre. <laughs> no. it, is, it is hilarious. A uh, couple of more here. Over on Odyssey, we have uh, Chain Reaction, who says, uh, can't wait for Millennial. Yeah, it's coming up. Uh, almost, almost there. Lord Aragon says, uh, hail woes. So a couple for you there for you. All right. So hello. hello. <laughs> let's or let's talk about hail. this one here. Yeah, exactly. You have to say hail. Um, so David Ike, we've we've had him on the show for a while. Again, same. Uh, I think he's done a lot of good work in waking people up. I don't agree with him on on, on all the things. Obviously, that that's not the point. Uh, but apparently, he he's uh, causes enough butt hurt here to actually be banned by. Well, first the Netherlands to to enter into the Netherlands, which automatically means the Schengen zone, which basically means the whole EU. So you could argue uh, that David Icke has just been banned from entering the EU for for two years. Uh, the Dutch government banned the British conspiracy theorist David Icke from the Netherlands and the entire Schengen area and the European Union for two years over fears that his presence could, quote, disturb public order. Ike claimed that he'd been banned by the fascist Dutch regime. Well, uh, okay, it's it's okay. I, I get what you're saying. But he's a bit of a boomer. <laughs> he's a boomer on that front. It's like with everything the Netherlands have been doing. Uh, all right, okay, it's fine. You know, I mean, I I I understand as a technicality what why he's saying that, but man, come on. And published on his website a letter sent to him by uh, on Thursday by the Dutch Immigration Services on behalf of the State Secretary for Justice and Security in the Netherlands. Um, and it says here, wait a minute, what was the violence? A bit here. We don't have to read that. Yeah, Ike was due to speak at a demonstration in Amsterdam on Sunday against the Ukraine war, the Dutch government, and energy prices. Amsterdam officials fear that there will be clashes, <laughs> even if Ike only appears via video link. Can they ban him from appearing via video link too, do you think? <laughs> well, this is part of the new world, isn't it? Can you, across borders like that, because the internet is famously 
across international. It doesn't care about borders. So it's an it's a yeah aspect of the this age that we're in, and I, I think the the laws haven't really been set there. But then it doesn't. I guess it doesn't really matter. This is why we're moving into a globalist era, because then the national borders just won't matter, and some globalist entity can just say that guy is not allowed on air anywhere uh, in the whole world. I mean, that seems to be what they're moving towards. Yeah. Um, but with Ike, it's interesting because he's, I mean, he's quite kind of similar to Alex Jones in the sense that a lot of what he says is either gobbled, it's either nonsense or he's saying true things in a nonsensical, in a distorted way. But the fact that he is uh, engendering mistrust in the public is enough to get him written off. It's enough yeah. to get him blacklisted. It's interesting. You know, you, again, the same thing with Alex, because people will often say Alex Jones is a, a shell and a fraud and all this, but he's, they, I think they are genuinely, um, I mean, well, they're going after him now. So yeah. uh, in oh, yeah. court, so I think they're doing that for a reason, just in the same way that, yeah, Trump wasn't our guy, but he wasn't enough their guy for them to that just like it. him. Yeah, no, it, same it's, thing, same yeah. thing now with Elon Musk. Exactly. If they're not 100% aboard on every single issue, they, they treat them as, as as an enemy. It could even be that they have like, you know, because with Trump, he still has, of course, very powerful backers and stuff. I mean, he, you know, you, you don't just get a, a, you know, Sheldon Adelson, for example, behind you and backing all that. I mean, all the... the the Israeli, uh, you know, backing that he had, they loved him over there and all the things he did. And he moved the embassy. And we, you know, we, we've talked about that so many times now. Just uh, the mainline criticism of Trump of, of how in the pocket he was of, of the Kushners and the Israelis and other uh, Jews, essentially. Uh, but that still doesn't he still gets many of the of the right enemies. You know what I mean? And so does Musk. <laughs> He's bowing to the ADL. Well, you know, again, we have more on that story later. But it fast, it's fascinating. But it, it I think it also gives us. um it's a little bit of a false, uh, how do I put it, like a false uh, me measurement to make, if that's the right word. Like you, you can't look at how some of our enemies react to somebody to make that uh, uh, as a measurement for how credible they are, basically. That doesn't work, you know yes. what I mean? Yeah, yes, yes, I agree. Uh, what it means is that our, is that our mutual enemies hate that 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 guy like david ike and and us we we have similar uh, we have similar enemies but it doesn't mean that he is uh, on our side or or that we should uh, you know trust him or whatever it it's yeah that's his strategy stuff really he was very Ike was very good on the pandemic stuff, very outspoken and a lot of stuff. And he rallied a lot of people around that. You know what I mean? And again, I think that's a net positive at the end of the day. He, he obviously doesn't see uh, race as important. Uh, maybe he could recognize like, oh, they're obviously attacking the UK. I think we I think we talked with him last time he was on. That's like, yeah, they're, you know, that. Uh, Tony Blair intentionally opened the borders to like flood the country and stuff, but he's he just won't kind of go there and says like therefore the British people should st you know start taking their own side and 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 yeah. pushing back against that. But you know, well you you take what you can and and then you leave the rest. You know that's how it goes. Exactly, exactly. I think it would be silly to uh, well I've I've got this expression I use a lot. Don't make perfect the enemy of good. Exactly. In other words, yeah. if something is good, it <laughs> don't insist that it be perfect before you celebrate it. No, exactly. Um, now, this is, a, this is a war on so-called conspiracy theories, and all that means is things that are not sanctioned by the establishment, things that, that, that they disagree with. 
uh, or or as you said as well, just slightly out of control. You're you're not you're not on their page hundred percent. This guy could just take off and start talking about anything at any point, and and they can't yes. have guys like that anymore around. You know. Absolutely, and it's very interesting how they are so that nowadays they are so concerned with having exactly the situation that I described earlier, where everyone agrees, all the prominent voices in society are saying the same thing about every particular issue. They are so concerned with having that situation that they will not tolerate anyone straying from it. Uh, I find that remarkable because it wasn't the case. I mean, you and I can remember the 90s and uh, we can remember the 2000s and it just wasn't like this then. No, no. It just wasn't at all. I mean, I can remember issues like the Iraq War, for example, the swine flu in the late 2000s, where you'd have a debate on TV between two experts <laughs> and they would disagree. You know, uh, that that's just completely gone now. And it's, it's very interesting. It's scary to see it playing yeah. out. But again, this is another thing that happened with the migrant crisis because there were no, no one was saying we shouldn't be taking in refugees. Exactly. Was it? No. You, it was it was a question of how much, how many refugees should we take? In. Yeah. How how quick and how many? That's usually how they deflect the whole thing, not whether we should have it or not. It just, it yeah, just like, exactly, no, how, exactly. <laughs> and then it's the same with COVID. It's like okay, yeah. we all agree that it's a t terrible killer plague. The question is, how bad is it? How dreadful is it? How many how boosters do we, we need take? the vaccine? And yeah. Exactly. How many how many doses of the vaccine? Uh, how many masks should a person wear <laughs> simultaneously? <laughs> yeah. it's <classic laughs> Things detection. like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so it's it's amazing that this um, curtailing of debate and discourse yep. really scary. It is scary. Uh, Second Wanderer says uh, same thing happened to Martin and Brittany Sellner. Absolutely, and I I can't think all of all of them off the top of my head, but. I mean, obviously, Jared Taylor was banned from the, the Schengen zone as well, right through going through Poland. I mean, uh, I, I, a myriad of people have, have been. And, and, and I was going to mention him earlier because it was the same thing they said about him. They said yeah. uh, he would be a disturbance to public order or something <laughs> like something very similar to that. Can we can we him. can we have that discussion regarding like migrant criminal gangs? <laughs> yeah. Is that disturbing public <laughs> order or what? <laughs> these, these two million fighting age men. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> It's just so it's so despicable and disgusting that you know the, the 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 double standards and how they wield this, these excuses on you know. Um, another story here too, real quick, and I, I talked about it a little bit. Uh, I think last show, but it could be worth mentioning with you on the air here too. Uh, EU gathering intelligence on right wing extremist threats. So they're kind of taking the same path like most of these weaponized agencies are doing in the in the U.S where you have Department of Homeland Security and obviously FBI and things like that, you know, monitoring groups and creating lists and, and who's dangerous and who should we uh, monitor, who, who do we need to shut down and blah, blah, blah. All the while, of course, we have like massive uh, just societal collapse essentially being being at the hands of these very same politicians, right? With like from the energy sector to the uh, supply chain, everything they, they've done essentially have led to like a, a collapse essentially for our people here now. And we, I don't think we've seen the full extent of this. This is yet to come. I think within the next year or so, uh, we're going to see complete just utter chaos, to be honest. I hope not, but that's what it's looking like. And now they have the audacity to say that it's like it's right wingers. That's the big problem here in this equation. Always the same story, oh, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, absolutely. And this has been uh, escalating for years. and. Uh, yeah, I remember talking with you about this kind of thing in 2016, 17, 
Um, but now we actually do have a situation where the elites really have messed up society in a big way. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it's not latent, it's not theoretical, it's uh, for real. They're, they're, like with the Ukraine and the supply shortages, the energy crisis, this is very, very real. And yet still, well, maybe because of that, maybe that's all the more reason for them to deflect attention onto the likes of us. Uh, exactly. It, it, exactly. It's someone else to blame. Deflection. Look over here. This is the real problem, right? Um, yeah. Silencing a revolution. This is from the white paper Telegram uh, channel. The EU is undertaking an intelligence gathering operation against nationalists and other far right groups. European Union Commissioner for Transparency and Values. Vera Jurnova has announced <clears throat> that the European Union partnering with national governments is draws, drawing up a quote assessment of the terrorist and right-wing extremist threats to the public. Notice they, they, they conflate the terms or they use, you know, terrorism together with right-wing extremism now kind of thing, right? Well, what have yeah. they done? Oh, they're saying well, mean words or whatever, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But also they've, they've also conflated the words transparency and values <laughs> with this commissioner woman. I mean, what kind of organization needs to have a transparency and values commissioner? <laughs> Just, it's kind of like... Uh, it kind of says a lot. Yeah. My values. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <clears throat> we are extremely corrupt and we don't care about transparency at all. But here's a woman, uh, to, here's here's someone in a position to make you think that we do. I mean, it's just, it's so blatant, it's so obvious. Yes, I said the European Union has already established that its political modus operandi for the coming harsh winters of 2022 coming into 23 will be blamed on Russia, silent dissent, and has recommended using COVID-19 restrictions as a co cover to keep people from gathering to protest in the streets. Yeah, because, yeah, it's, a, it's like a perfect... Um, convergence of issues there right they can blame covid measures they can blame right the russian war and say it's their fault uh when of course these people have gotten us into that situation and then finally when people want to go out and protest against this and say you're obviously like inept incompetent leaders we need to topple you and and put someone in charge better in charge then they can use all the measures uh, emergency powers and all these things that they put in place and say no no this is a danger to to our democracy so we're going to we're going to shut you down and we're going to uh, put you in jail we'll see we'll see what happens but uh, this the, the stage has been set i think for uh, the, this winter woes what do you think absolutely i heard about this happening in germany first about 3 4 months ago maybe more than that now and uh, they they were saying there are going to be people protesting about the Ukraine war and our efforts towards it and our donations to the the Ukrainian people. There will be people complaining about this and complaining about the poverty that it's imposing on Germany. And these people will be Nazis. And the energy so sector. So they were setting that narrative up quite a long time ago. Oh, because yeah. they knew, because well, they're going to need a scapegoat. You see, this is another thing that's so amazing about COVID and now with the Ukraine. And um, all the tricks that we were warned about at high school, I'm sure you had it as, in Sweden as well. Things like um, you were told that uh, a, a tyrannical government will give you an enemy that it's okay to hate and that, <clears throat> and that will encourage yeah. you to hate that group of people. And uh, a tyrannical them. government will will censor things. Uh, you know, and, and, and also uh, rich, powerful men will will try to gain more power and change society uh, to suit their ends. This has all happened right in front of the public who have been warned about these very things at high school 20 years ago.
Yeah, but they're stopped. What astonishes me, they don't see it. No, they, I mean, again, they, they have, oh, they're they're securing our demo. They're saving us against those very people, right, and those forces. Uh, and, and, if they, and if they take over, they will shut down society. They will silence people. They will they will uh, say you have no more rights all of a sudden. You know what I mean? It's like, wait a minute, what's <laughs> where are we now? Yeah, yeah. But it, again, it, it shows you, well, this is one of the depressing things about COVID is that it showed you what the public are like. And the NPC meme you realize it, it, it really is true. You know, the, the majority of the public are very easily controlled, very easily persuaded. Um, in this kind of, th with this kind of thing, this is an example of it, where you've got creeping censorship, you've got them in, being encouraged to uh, conform to things, you've got it being made difficult to rebel again, to not conform, you've got them being encouraged to hate certain people who don't conform. Uh, all of that, the scapegoat, basically. So all of that is happening, and the public don't even notice it. No, that that's no. what's astonishing, uh, really, because in theory, this was part of being in a democracy and in, in the free world, the free West, uh, and everyone was expected to have some diligence about their opinions, about their own opinion, like uh, have some probity, have some thoroughness intellectual thoroughness about things um and, and you realize most people absolutely don't they simply don't no they're like in a hypnosis you know what i mean and it, it, it was fascinating i mean we we've and we've shown the means right of how like the covid uh, graphic is, is replaced with the whether it's yeah. ukraine or you yeah. know in some cases it's climate change <laughs> depending on what's pertinent and what's uh, you know advantageous i guess but that has really worked you know what i mean that there's like this hypnosis around it that if they push hard enough uh, people are be, be mesmerized by this and and the support for Ukraine and although of course you know just to clarify I'm not I don't wish anything bad on the people of Ukraine but just talking about the hypnosis around uh, the support for Ukraine that basically we are now sacrificing ourselves and our own people for the for the sake of like yeah. helping these I, people I'm, you know I'm pretty sure that this billboard image is fake oh is it fake okay it, yeah when it, when it came out but the thing is it it might as well be real. I mean, it, they might as well be just saying this. Right. Because uh, really, what's the difference? What is actually the difference between that and what they're doing? So it, it's, uh, yeah, I, I think it's it, it's just an amazing situation. And again, you, Ukraine is the sequel to COVID. So again, you've got, well, you know what to believe, you know what to say, and you know what to do, and you know it's, and this time it, it's going to be tough for you in a way because the thing is covid was tough and for for some people especially with young kids i think um it really was difficult a difficult time yeah but for most people life i mean people were at home they, they weren't working they, uh, or at least they weren't going to work but um but life did go on like the society just kept ticking on you know the the supermarkets mostly still had shelves full of food uh, the, the heating still worked, you, the, the internet access still worked, electricity still worked, yeah. the water coming out the tap was still clean. Um, so in most ways, life did, like society continued. But with, um, with, with this, with Ukraine, I think it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be very different. I think life actually is going to be tough for people in a way that it wasn't with COVID. Yeah. Um, 
Oh yeah, you definitely. Know, and granny, I, granny's going to die this time, right? Basically. Exactly. And I mean, again, you just think of the convergence of the issues now. Of like, okay, energy shortages—that's bad enough. You have spiking prices; people can't heat their homes. Then you have food shortages potentially. You have some other supply chain issues. Uh, then on top of that, you have people that have been possibly multiple jab times jabbed and boosted and everything else, right? They already have weakened immune system. It's like a, a perfect storm of sorts. And, and of course, I'm more like, I'm leaning to it. This is not just a, a ineptitude and, and um, you know, incompetence. So, some people uh, that are pushing these policies are certainly incompetent. Uh, but again, as you said, Lupa, before, uh, they're not the ones in charge. They're not the ones in control. They're being told what to do and they just do it. And uh, yeah. uh, but it's also perfect in a sense because they just they can blame on this like it was just an accident, not an accident, maybe. But as we said before, no, no, it's because of the COVID lockdowns. But we, that's what's to save your life. Now, now, now Putin is doing the other things when in reality, the the things preceding both of those things actually uh but especially during the covid lockdowns and the measures there was what exacerbated the problem already existing problems and that is the w main reason why we'll have such tremendous shortages in the year to come and so they are responsible for this and and i think it's quite intentional to be honest yeah and it's the same with the ukraine thing uh i mean obviously america coaxed uh, this war into happening they coaxed Putin into invading Ukraine. Now, that's not to say that I'm a I'm not a Putin shell. I'm not a Putin fanboy. I don't like him. I don't I I don't care about that. But it is it does seem to me that things are the way I just described. That the mainly the U.S. government, <laughs> let's see, uh, wanted this war to happen, and they forced his hand. They forced him into a position where he had to do this or something like this so uh yeah. i do think that that it was i mean what's interesting is you've got what appears like two separate or or different elites the old neocon zile what we used to think of the 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 elite that caused various wars in the past but then with covid it seems like a different elite it's more un technocrat uh, globalist Davos, it's a different set of institutions. Um, now, I'm sure there's a lot of overlap between them. Uh, maybe they are just one elite. Maybe it, maybe it is just one elite. I don't know. But it definitely seems almost like a contest between elites, where one of them got COVID, uh, and, and the second one has got Ukraine. They, they've each got what they wanted. And, they, and it happens to each of these things weakens the West. And and so I don't think it's like, but either way, I mean, we don't need to talk about two different elites. It doesn't really matter uh, that much. Um, either way, both of these things have done tremendous damage to the West and to, and not just to the economies, not just to the West as societies, but to Western people on an individual, on a psychological level. Uh, certainly COVID did a huge, I think it did a huge amount of damage to people. Uh, psychologically, not just the kids, they had the kids as well, who through their formative years had masks on and you know didn't socialize and whatever, but also the adults. I think it's changed how people view life, how people view their own place in the world, their agency. That, that all of that has been eroded. Yeah. Um, and I again, I don't think that's uh, accidental. But leaving COVID aside, we've now got Ukraine, the energy crisis. Course, Nord Stream, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, 
it, it's going to do more damage. And and I, you know, again, Nord Stream that 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 really proves that America or its app, let's say, let's maybe Britain did it. I don't know. Let's just assume it's de America definitely would have been involved and would have given approval to that because Liz Truss isn't going to do anything without, yeah. <laughs> without directions from above. No. So um, America wanted Nord Stream bombed and damaged so that Germany would no longer have, well, the so option. that Putin wouldn't have that leverage yeah, anymore. Exactly. And Germany wouldn't have that motivation to exit the war effort. Yeah. So therefore, America wants the war. It's obvious. Yeah. So it so therefore America probably engineered the war. So therefore there's something going on that has nothing to do with peace. It has nothing to do with um uh, just reaching a, some sort of peace agreement with Putin. No, they want the war. Now uh, so the question is why? Uh, and you know this is a whole thing that you maybe don't want to get into. Um it's a big tangent, but it's I think part of it definitely is that they are remodeling. They're they're changing the West. That's yeah. at least one of the goals here. And, and might not, not be the only one, but it's one of them. Absolutely, no, absolutely, you're right. Um, I did short short version, right? Very short version. I, I covered a couple of articles in one of the recent Weekend Warrior shows. It's called a multipolar world order, which is kind of interesting. You remember that World Economic Forum piece where they have. Uh, how will life be like in 2030? It's kind of was that where the meme, yeah. you're alone, nothing and be happy uh, came out of. Yeah. Uh, in the very same uh, video, they have that screenshot of uh, uh, where they say there won't, will no longer be any one superpower. It will be divided among multiple countries. So what they're doing essentially now is that they're decentralizing the global uh, uh, order, essentially. They're doing it. So I, I think it partially because... Again, you mentioned Trump, and again, he's not our guy. Blah blah blah, all that stuff. But the, he was not sufficiently their guy, and, and and you know, although he's in on certain things, he was an outsider for them on certain other issues. Yeah, I they agree. understand that they cannot rely on one country like they used to, the U.S. Right after Second World War, especially after the defeat of you know uh, the Soviet, um, the collapse of the Soviet Union after the Cold War, U.S. stands alone, and all of a sudden they. You know, elect a, a guy like Trump comes in, and every everything could change if they if they got the wrong guys in place. So they understand that we can't rely on one superpower. We have to decentralize this. Essentially, we have to just break it up into multiple polarities. That's why you're seeing Russia and China, and 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 they're being weakened at the same time. So it's not that they're like, oh, they're just building them up so that they're going to become the new superpower e either. This is a, a a strategy that's known as like balance of power, essentially where you have different poles that are centers in and of themselves, but they all overarchingly, interestingly, work towards the same agenda. They're all working towards the fourth industrial revolution, for example, right? But they're doing that in their own little zones that they control. So they're weakening the West, they're weakening America, but then they're also weakening Russia and, and China, but they're going to all bundle up into their own little groups. So you have like a Eurasian New World Order, you have an Atlantic uh. or Western New World Order, you have one kind of in South America. Yeah, BRICS, I guess, would be the, the easiest one to kind of reference in terms of like a new type of alliance that's that's rising up. Because um, it's just too Unpredictable, I think, for these people to rely on the uh, so-called democratic process, and the, and they they learned that lesson. I think I definitely agree about that. The, the they've got no interest in democracy. Uh, I think they've also got 
little interest remaining in consumerism, for example, and and the yeah, that's all that's economy. Over. That's yeah, that's that's, over. The, that's like the well, second half it of the twentieth century. Sorry, sorry yeah. to interrupt, was but it it this is what's so interesting about it. It was over anyway because of the demographic situation, right? And they knew this. I mean, our whole system has been predicated on endless growth, more population, more debt, more consumption. You know, more more human capital. Blah blah blah. They, to a certain extent, try to make up for this, obviously, as we know, with immigration and open the borders so we can just re keep on growing. But even with that, it doesn't work. And even some of the migrants who come in um, that maybe in their countries had many children stop having, you know, as many children in, in, in our you know modern societies and stuff like that. The point is, they knew that the boomers on mass scale were going to start retiring around 2020. And so now they're shifting over the whole system over to a, a, a different model, essentially. And COVID exacerbated it. And the Russia-Ukraine thing is driving a nail in that coffin, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the question really it comes to, well, I think, um, do we believe that Vladimir that Putin is uh, in on all of this? And it, to me, it seems like he, I, don't, I don't think he is. I, I think no, I don't think he, I, I think he's genu he's genuinely a problem for them. If they could, if they could, they would generally want to uh, take him out and stuff like that. But what's interesting though is why is Russia working? They're promoting bug eating now in Russia. We we should you know we I, uh, we put a Telegram post on our, on our Telegram the other day. They're doing the fourth industrial revolution stuff. They're doing the biometric ID stuff. They're doing the same COVID measures, essentially, like everyone else did. You, you yeah. Why you'd think that they would then look at the West and say, those things are crazy. Let's not do that. But they are actually doing it. And, of course, let not even get started about China, what they have been doing under this process. They're spearheading this in many regards. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But in, but in some other ways, they're not. Like, they're not doing LGBT example right so they, they have the, not in the yeah I mean, they, they got that that's that's you know it, it's almost like and it's not that that isn't a big deal it is a big deal it's it's completely erosive in, in in the west of course but but at the same time think about it this way if america has been powerful you use the the tranny the, the tranny agenda the lgbt agenda to break down society in russia and even china to a certain extent that hasn't been as powerful as the west you still need to lift up and build them up so that the, you level out the power playing field you know what i mean so right mm, now yeah. it wouldn't be conducive to push that at least on them you know what i mean I, I don't know you can you can speculate <laughs> yeah, but yeah. yeah yeah and and of course with uh it, with the us it seems like afghanistan and there are different theories about this but one of them is that america simply couldn't sustain what it was doing in afghanistan no, no. Because of feminism, because the uh, the people in charge were obviously they've been there for twenty years, so there are different generations of people had gone over there to administer the uh, the situation, and apparently the later the, the ones who were in charge last year were just feminists and you know from crazy degrees, uh, universities, women's studies, and all the rest of it, and they were just completely unable to deal with you know. <laughs> <laughs> the Taliban, old-fashioned masculinity. Imagine that. They just yeah, they just couldn't handle it. They just didn't know how to. How do you do this? And, they, um, did you see course, feminism uh, re relies on luxury and you know comfort and men being very cucked. Yes. D did you see they wheeled out the uh, Marcel Duchamp's uh, urinal down there and to and to try to teach uh, Afghani women about art? <laughs> they, oh my god! They, yeah, they, they did oh. things like this. There's a video of this. So like, and and you see these women just sitting there, like, what the 
fuck is this? What's happening here? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> We're yeah. going to give you Western values, you know? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Actually, I'd like to think that that was the reaction of Europeans a hundred years ago when I, that I know. thing was, yeah. when it was first unleashed, but I don't know. Um, but yeah, so that's one theory. Um, that basically America, as you say, has been castrated, has been made unable to do the things that it used to be able to do. Uh, and th that would fit with your theory. See, another one that, uh, so my own theory about this, and I'm not saying that this is true, but one theory is, um, you'll remember the wars between AMD and Intel about yeah. CPUs. Mm -hmm. And each, each time one of the companies came up with some advancement, the other company would have to very quickly equal that. Yes. And not because they're at the same company, not because they're uh, in league with each other, but precisely because they're rivals. Yes. So if one of them developed an advantage, the other would have to mirror that advantage. Now, perhaps it could be like this with, uh, for example, the uh, digital ID. A tyrannical power realizes this, this, this tool would be useful for me. My rival is developing it now. So I've got to do the same thing. Yes. I don't. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I agree in the sense that, you know, the fourth industrial revolution, if you will, then let's let's think through the full extent of that, which basically is a version of transhumanism. You automize, uh, automate society, robotics, uh, you know, cyber, uh, cyborgs, yeah. essentially. You, you have computer Cyber brain interfaces, artificial intelligence, blah, 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 on and on. That will give them a competitive advantage. We can't let them just do this, right? Same thing with the quantum computing and stuff. And so ironically, with, with the multipolar... Uh, uh, power centers, you basically have you you get a kind of a uniformity around that anyway, which is kind of bizarre, but that's just kind of how it works. You're right. Yeah, because they have to stay equal. <laughs> they yeah. can't afford. It's the same thing with genetic engineering. I mean, if the Chinese, which they've apparently been going in for this, if they're going to have a population with an average IQ of 120 or 130, then everyone else is screwed. Right. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't know how you could. Uh, if your population has an average IQ of 100, what are you going to do <laughs> when, yeah. when the Chinese decide to just take you over? Luck I, mean, I don't know what you would do. Luckily for us, though, we have such a massive, I mean, incredible demographic decline in China that by within 20 years, uh, today we know China is a powerhouse. People are fearful. Are they going to take over the world? Blah, 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 all this stuff because of the one child policy and a number of other insane policies such as let's not even begin talking about the real estate market over there and that that's seen as a status symbol so some men won't even be able to get married if they don't hold real estate it's kind of weird right but you, you're seeing a such a massive demographic decline that within 20 30 years or so uh the population is going to be more than halved and, and or have um yeah put it cut in half so if you if they have been known as the factory of the world in the past, they're not going to have the workforce to keep that up, which obviously mm -hmm. is a good thing for us because that means you're going to now be able to localize some things. I, I know that the regionalization argument is actually part of this. Uh, the article I'm showing on, on screen here, the multipolar world order, in a sense, you, you could still you could still be entrapped in, in, in that idea but with them or whatever. But no matter how you view it, 
globalization that we used to know it as is being scaled down massively. And part of that is just because of the, the, the demographic decline. And many of these mainstream demographers know this. Many of the economists knew this as well. So I'm convinced that the boys at the very top, they are familiar with this and they're, they're understanding the situation. So we're seeing a massive reshuffling right now of the global order in order to just so that they will they think they'll still be able to be, maintain power and be in a position where they can have influence and stuff but i think it might be so drastic and so radical that that they might not actually be able to maintain the level of control that they want and i think that we'll be able to utilize that from our point of view and say if we can localize a lot more things if we can create more jobs if we can bring back uh, production to our countries and and maybe thereby we can increase birth rates we can we can uh you know re uh, you know reassemble certain things we can we can adjust anew to new circumstances i think it's actually a great time of opportunity massive upheaval and dangerous like crazy like we've never seen before but at the same time we need we need to be pushed out of that comfort zone don't you agree like we need to have that bad i, agree. I do off. i do agree yeah. i do agree because part of it has been uh, what we've always moaned about is that is globalization and its effects. You know, it means, for example, that a working class guy can't, he doesn't have work. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah. There isn't the factory job because it's in China. Uh, there, are, there aren't the uh, the manual jobs that people need, but also uh, the middle class as well. I mean, all of this affects uh, them as well um, in different ways. So if uh, if we did local relocalize, clearly that would mean that many people would have a raison d'etre, they would have a point, a purpose to their lives. They would have a job, a career, they, a way to make something of themselves. Whereas what we've got, if you think of peak globalization, if you think of like 2015, that kind of era, uh, a young guy, uh, a lot of young guys were neats. I mean, it was a thing and it still is a thing. Um, because there isn't a place for them in the world. There isn't a company that desperately needs their skills yeah. and their time, their effort. So all there is to do is, you know, order a pizza from Domino's on your, your government welfare yeah. and play video games. So yep. that, and that's a dreadful life, dreadful life to have. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, I've, I know it from experience. I know it from many people that I've known uh, who are in that situation. And it's, it, it's a, it is something that we want to move on from. It's something that we want to be in the past, even though, of course, it does have advantages. And let's not lie about it. But clearly, there are uh, upsides to this this way of life. But unfortunately, it's like a drug that kind of feels yeah. good, but it's terrible for you. It, it's it, absolutely it, terrible. And that hit would come sooner or later anyway. We can't, there isn't, we can't have endless growth. We can't have endless population numbers and more debt and more consumption. I mean, it just at some point, you're going to take that hit sooner or later anyway. But it was coming. Absolutely. It was coming for a long time, and and you see again, COVID is perfect in the sense at the time that it was rolled out because now you have an excuse. Now you can just say, well, that's because of the COVID measures. Because otherwise, people would say, what the hell happened with our, uh, you know, our Amazon two day shipping? Why can't we order sheep shit anymore or whatever it is? You know what I mean? Like yeah. all of a sudden they're <laughs> driven out of the comfort zone and they're like, what the hell happened? These people must be incompetent. No, now they can just say, oh, it was COVID. Oh no, it's the, it's Putin's fault, you know, kind of thing. And, so, and yeah, you know, yeah. So this, so this comes to, this ultimately comes to the question, are we going to get the pot or not? I think you know, not. This is the thing. I, don't, I, don't I think, think not. I, I don't think they'll pull it off. This is what's so fascinating about it. I, you know, 
I, maybe I'm wrong in this. Maybe there's some other th things, some other ace that the global elite has up their sleeve and they'll wheel that out or whatever. But this idea that they will be like, you know, fourth industrial revolution, super smart computers everywhere, or artificial intelligence, automation and stuff. Even the Chinese chip market was actually like killed by the Biden regime, believe it or not, which is kind of weird. They basically gave people working in the chip industry in China an ultimatum, say either you lose your citizenship um, or you quit your job and 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 move on from from that uh, work. Even the, there was even uh, restrictions put on the tools that's needed for China to continue to develop their semiconductors, for example, which is just like a head scratch. And you mean, it's like, wait a minute. Now, China doesn't produce the the, the most the high end uh, semiconductors and stuff, which is necessary for any kind of fourth industrial revolution stuff. But the the mid grain the mid grade uh, grade ones. So like, if you need a you know, a, a fridge that sings and and uh, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, like a you know <laughs> stupid shit like Internet of Things type th deal things. That's not going to happen. And and if you go to the advanced stuff, there's actually only uh, two companies in the world that ensures that the the super you know quality high end semiconductors are made. And obviously, it's one. Uh, Germany with their Carl Zeiss lenses. They make the flattest surface on the earth. Uh, which is one atom in deviation. And they're using that to project the image onto the wafer that becomes the, the semiconductor, right? And it's actually a Dutch company, AM, AML or AMSL or something like that, that handles the uh, lithography of that. They're basically handling the, the, the light and stuff. But the fact is, Germany is going down the tubes with their energy. They're, they're, they're basically, if things continue, they're going to deindustrialize within the next couple of years. Uh, I don't hope that I, I hope they don't, but that's like where it's leading to right now. There is no viable options or alternatives. It looks like at least short term woes. We're looking at a complete standstill of anything that's like has to do with mass production, technology, and things like that. I mean, look, certain things will obviously get priority, and it's not all going to stop. But at least when it comes to like the mass consumption of tech products and things like that, uh, if this particular you know, angle plays out is basically going to be grind to halt. So it's a very interesting time right now. So, th so this is what makes me think that the war. Because, so, okay, so the the war effort, the Ukraine war effort, and the the energy crisis has, results from that, results in this technology shutting down, which means that they can't have the fourth industrial revolution. At least not yet. That's the thing. You know, we put a caveat there. Maybe they will yeah. do it in ten years. Maybe this is just a, a period of total chaos and, up, uh, chaos and upheaval, so that they can build back better. You know, by twenty thirty or something. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, another way of looking at it is maybe they thought that uh, Putin would cave. I mean, I, I don't know. This is right. all very confusing. Yeah, this is really good. This is something I wish I could uh, analyze this and draw conclusions, but it, it's very difficult at this stage yeah there's so many moving parts there's so many variables there's so many unknowns there's so many people behind the scenes pulling the strings that we don't even have the names of we're not on the ground in many areas where like things from from production to the i just think it's going to be a, a, a heck of a bumpy road the next couple of years and I, i've talked about this before and we continue to mention all the time the number one kind of insurance policy really that we will have is there's nothing wrong with prepping and, and, and having as much stuff as you can, and you should, 
but at the end of the day, it's it's community, network, people, tribe, groups. That's what's going to ensure our continued survival through periods like this. Even su even mega wealthy people that are big in like building like luxurious uh, uh, doomsday shelters, and actually that's a, the market for that is huge. It's skyrocketed over the last couple of years. Even they won't be able to pull this off if the, if they're like just them and their family or just a couple of people. You you you're gonna need to have a community around you that actually are are. Uh, that that are willing to to back each other up and help each other out basically and so again I think that's a that's a very good thing and that's something that we as white people who have been so deracinated and individualized and atomized need and we're being forced back into that position right now well this was something that I saw with COVID where that seemed to be the end of individualism it seemed to be the end of being a uh, a selfish consumer who didn't think about other people, didn't think about his community or whatever, suddenly you were being encouraged to be the opposite, to not think about uh, con consumer products, to not think about your own desires, to not think about your future, but you were instead thinking about your effort towards your community, doing the right thing for the health service, doing the right thing for granny, doing the right thing for your your friends and so on and your colleagues. And that's it's it's interesting, you know. It's like they were remaking what it is to be a citizen of a Western country. And I think again, it, 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 Ukraine, the the energy crisis now is going to be the same thing again. Where this and so so we're not going to go back to twenty nineteen. No, that's you know, that's and, over. That's never know, that's, going to happen again. We we've lived. You and me, we grew up at a very very unusual time. You know what I mean? Because the norm has obviously not been. And again, it's all, those things have also been the worst because that, that, that modernization and globalization has been things that ruined us. It ruined our people. It ruined everything we, we knew. But because of the comfort, the comfort was so high, right? Material prosperity. And, you know, again, it's all fake and debt based, of course, but but on the surface and what people experience, it's like, as I said, it's, you know, two day shipping. You get anything you want. You know what I mean? Like oh, the, the yeah. consumer based uh, society absolutely. and, you know, that and that is over. That That's done. You know what I mean? I remember saying this around about a year ago or maybe more that I caught the tail end. You know, the, the millennial thing was travel all, all across Europe, go to all these different countries, a city break in this, in this, <laughs> in this city, another one there. Yeah. Um, have a girlfriend from uh, five different countries, you know, all of this stuff. This is what millennials were encouraged to do. And it's what most people, I think, who had any money, who had a job, this was, this was how they lived. Um, and I sort of caught the tail. I, I, with my channel, I sort of, for a long time, I was unemployed and had no money and I, I, I was just at home. But once I got my channel, I was able to sort of partake of that lifestyle for a couple of years. And so I was doing a lot of traveling, going to a lot of conferences and so on. And I stayed in hotels here and there. Uh, saw different cities. Now, I'm not going to say that I was rolling in cash because I wasn't, but I was able to experience what most people of my generation had probably already experienced. And so I can say it was it was kind of fun. I mean, it, it was fun. But at the same time, you would look around a European city and think this is a sort of this is like the end of culture. There's no, like Amsterdam is the same as Berlin, which is the yeah. same as Frankfurt, which is the same as Stockholm, which is yeah. the same as Copenhagen, which is the same as New York. It really doesn't matter anymore where you are. And so, it, it, and this is what we bemoaned uh, respectively on our channels that 
that everything was becoming meaningless. Yeah. And uh, and nations were becoming meaningless. Um, and I think that that's reversing that. I mean, that lifestyle of you know, having girlfriends from five different countries and stuff like that, which some people did. It was a sort of typical millennial thing. That's all over now. Yeah. I think it's we're Thank going God. to return to <laughs> you'll have a girlfriend from the town where you grew up. <laughs> yeah. Like your grandparents did, you know? Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. And it, it's interesting. It's like that whole era of mass consumerism and where your lifestyle is a consumer choice. Uh, the, the person you are is just, you know, a, a tester, a, pur a purchaser of different products. Um, and and geography is meaningless. Na nationhood is meaningless. I think that's all over now. Yep, and thank God for that. And you know, I know that they are trying to jump on that as their opportunity. You know, the kind of a yeah, some people describe as neo feudal and whatnot. You know, we, we'll we'll see what happens. But regardless, it's a great time of opportunity, and I think we can do things in a parallel manner uh, at the same time because that will be necessary as things start breaking down. Let me just take a couple of these so I don't uh, get too far behind here. Dog Whistler says. Um, how much do you want to bet that the transparency, talking about the EU story there, uh, the Transparency and Values Committee of the EU meets uh, only in private and most of the reports will be classified top secret from public view? Yeah, I didn't see anything about that in the article. Like, OK, or is anybody going to have access to this? And, and, and no, I, of course not. You know, I mean, this will be like, uh, yeah, intelligence level will be classified. They'll just uh, say so. And then everyone else has to just believe whatever they, the conclusion they have. Right. Dog Whistler again says uh, Orwell got it right. Uh, 1984. Uh, in 1984, remember, he had three superpowers all at conflict. Oceania, Eurasia, and East East Asia. Was it East Asia? Yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah. all three superpowers were all benefiting the same businesses and totalitarian exiled in all three countries be uh, benefiting the same people. Yes, exactly. And, and, you know, that's why people have said Orwell, right, he had uh, kind of a a shoe in, I guess, to some of the things that they were planning or whatnot. This has actually been in the works for a long time. The, the multipolar article that I showed that series, uh, I covered part three specifically in detail, but it goes through that too. They even talks about how um, you can go back to the Rockefellers. Later, you have the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. You even have uh, Soros' Open uh, Society Foundation. Kind of the usual suspect if you ever talk about you know geopolitics and conspiracy and stuff like that. But regardless, they have argued that for a long time that we have to have, you know we have to divide up the power. Have to be multipolar, different power centers essentially. Then they can compete at uh, you know amongst themselves, and that creates kind of a, a, a new level of homogeneity that we haven't seen before, which is kind of weird, right? But that's how it works. Uh, but no, I mean he he got some of the, some of that stuff right. There's no doubt about it, you know. Um, okay, Lars Ogbeck says uh, based Denmark, the reason why or hashtag based Denmark, the reason why we, uh, the right wing parties lost the election was because the leader of the conservatives had to divorce his. A black husband. <laughs> Is that what happened? Shit, I haven't followed the whole uh, what happened in Denmark yet. Uh, it all began with um, uh, Josius. Jo Is that what it is? Uh, claims of being Jewish. He also claimed to be related to the president of his home country, the Dominican Republic. Your take. I have to dive deep into that. I've actually had no time to keep up with it. I should have, uh, granted. Um, but I'll have to... Um, assess some of that stuff and information but anyway what you're saying is loss uh by the right-wing parties uh that well that sucks obviously 
So who got enlarged? Was it just the Social Democrats again or something like that? I'll, I'll, I'll check it up here in the meantime when we, when we play some clips and stuff. But thank you, Lars. I'll, I'll uh, try to give you a take on that a little bit later. Black Phillip says, Henrik, uh, I've heard these intolerable shitlib climate protesters are paid shills from big oil to make climate change look bad. I've had, uh, I have a hard time believing this uh uh, believing this or in this since they already look so retarded yeah i've seen that too. it's kind of like the um what is it the leftists think that cia is kind of like faking their woke uh, uh propaganda and stuff like that just to like hoodwink leftists into like complacency or something like that i think they're, yeah. they're true believers i think they're actually they, they've realized what a powerful weapon that is to break down society and ultimately gain more control I think many of them, they're there now working on that. They, they are true believers. And I think you could translate that over to the climate movement as well. Um, I don't think big oil is... They, they still have power, don't get me wrong. But most of those corporations, most of the people on those boards, most of the, they're all part of the ESG agenda now. They're all like sustainable development goals. They're all part of World Economic Forum, most of them. It's, you know, the whole business sphere, which used to be about making money and maximize profit and all that stuff, that has, and again, you said that was too. They, they've like they've left that model because, partially due to the de de uh, demographics of many countries, that is not sustainable anymore. So now it's a it's a it's scarcity scarcity now, and and the momentum which uh, what's going to move this forward is basically you know social responsibility, and that includes for these corporations as well. W what do you think was? Yeah, it's a very interesting. It's, it's fascinating, actually, this this matter. Because if you look at something like the Rings of Power, the Lord of the Rings thing, apparently Amazon can deal with it. it, it, it's, it, it, it Amazon is so massively wealthy that it really wouldn't matter if the Rings of Power completely tanked. And I'm using Rings of Power as just with one example. The point is that these corporations are now so massive and, and uh, powerful that profit isn't a... Uh, a goal for them anymore, and this is why go woke, go broke is, you know, wishful thinking. Exactly. Um, yeah. It doesn't. It, I, as far as I know, it's never really happened. I can't. I don't really know of an example where it's actually happened. Yeah. Um, it, it may be in a small way here or there, but nothing serious. Um, so profit is no longer the imperative. It's now more like market share. So dominating the market, just. Uh, which in turn gives you social power. If you dominate payment processing, if you dominate uh, tweeting, let's say uh, micro blogging, then uh, then that means you have tremendous social power, which we see playing out. I mean, we, we, we've seen that. Uh, you know, I don't need to go into examples of what payment processors have done and what what Twitter have done and, and so on. If you dominate video sharing, then again you've got tremendous cultural power. Look what YouTube have done. So, I think that's what the that that's what it's now about is really just consolidating the resources of each particular society, and obviously, in the context of the West, that means all Western societies together, all all the different nations. So, uh, so profits kind of off the table now to some extent. That's how it seems anyway. Definitely, yeah. that stereotype, as you said, the the stereotype of the eighties business and you know, the yuppie who's just thinking about money <laughs> that, that just does not seem to ring true anymore no no we're, we're so in debt to and that will be basically how the the world bank and the imf and the bank of international settlements and all that stuff will get their claws into countries they already have that but like as a at some point they'll just nullify debt or because who do we owe this debt to 
You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, it's it's so <laughs> pathetic and yeah. ridiculous. Like it's just a circle we, jerk, uh, you know, agenda. So no one will be able to pay anyone else off. So at some point, it will be like, all right, it's time for a global currency. It's going to be a CDBC or like some kind of digital currency. Great, we're, we're, a great reset. Exactly. We're going to write all off the debt. It's almost again the financial thing has been because this was so weird about it too. Okay, it's debt based. Okay, it's fiat. Okay, it's fake and gay. There's nothing real about it. But you can you can print money and you can get shit out of that at the end of the day. You can buy yeah. stuff for it, and then you can just you know write off that debt, and you'll still have your stuff presumably. Well, okay, in some cases things are you know uh, confiscated or taken back if it's obviously individuals and they have their mortgage and houses and stuff like. So I'm not saying that you don't lose stuff, but if you're a country, let's say. You, no one's going to come in and claim your shit, even if you can't pay off your debt. You know what I mean? Like it's just going to be written off at some point, and they're going to just restructure the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And again, another thing that we could have mentioned about COVID, uh, and probably this will also play out now with the energy shortages, is that it kills off small businesses. And exactly. uh, I saw this. I went up to Edinburgh and many places that I had known literally all my life, shops uh, and so on, are just gone now. They're just gone. Crazy. Uh, and I, I hadn't been for like a year, two years. Um, it was it was quite, it was actually really sad. You know, it was oh, yeah, like personal. I'd heard other people saying yep. this. Yep. Like, oh, this shop I used to go to, it's gone now. Um, and even if you're not much of a shopper, it's just nice that that thing was always there. It's like a uh, continuity, you know? Yeah. Um, and when I went up to Edinburgh, it's like, fuck. You know, it's just the big names now. Yeah. It's just yep. the big. Just even like a, I, there was even a famous one, a, a department store that was unique to Edinburgh that went down, uh, Jenner's, um, and that will be replaced with some international conglomerates, I would guess. Exactly. I mean, it's so sad, right? Uh, that's a compete the comp uh, competition out of, uh, and, and and now it's just Vanguard and BlackRock owned uh, businesses left, <laughs> and then and they're all ESGs, and they're, and now they're voila, you have it. You know what I mean? No, it's more it's corporate control using the liberal system, print as much money as possible, which creates as much problems, obviously, at the end of the day as possible because it just ruins our system and stuff. But you'll still have an awful lot of people and a lot of businesses that have amassed. Uh, material things out of the, that, you know, creating that wealth or whatever. So it, it in a and, weird way, it works, but not long term. Yeah, and, I mean, and you'll also have a command structure. So instead of having to persuade a hundred little shops in Edinburgh uh, to own, to enforce the mask policy, mm -hmm. you'll only have to persuade one corporation, and yeah. it, it then okay that that corporation's policy in its one hundred outlets will be that you've got to wear a mask. So it, it streamlines all of that stuff, again, that we saw during COVID. And uh, I, I, I guess the next public health crisis will be exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, not, that, not that COVID was actually a public health crisis. Uh, obviously, I'm joking there. But yeah. that, that was how they sold it. So, um, <laughs> and, and I'm sure they'll do it again. Yes, exactly. Let me take a couple of these here. Um, let me see. We did. Uh, okay, we did that one. Uh, Joseph Thomas says, "Do you know who owns runs the Bank of International Settlements?" I actually googled it real quick here, and at least officially, <clears throat> this could, maybe that is not true. I just know their placement on literally the map too, right in uh, uh, Geneva. Is it Geneva or Davos? No, I think it's Geneva, right? Uh, is like right next to the World Zionist Organization, I believe. And then it's the Bank of International <laughs> Settlements, and then it's another third building. I forget which one it is, but officially, yeah, it's sixty-three central banks that owns the Bank of International Settlements. And who owns the central banks? 
mm, private banks, right? So I think we know. But yeah, no, I get your point, Joseph. Thanks. McDosha says, want to know what isn't fake and gay? My love for red eyes. Uh, th- th- I appreciate that. Yeah, I was going to say, well, our, our dedication to us turning this around is not fake and gay. That, uh, that much I can tell you. Thank you, McDozer. Appreciate that. We also had uh, Shell, Shell, uh, 2066 over at Odyssey, who says, Gut moose. Gut moose. Good to see you. Uh, good, good to see you. Good from you. All right. So let's, uh, let's talk about the census a little bit here, because otherwise we'll never get... <laughs> it's very interesting discussions. Don't get me wrong. This is, I'm very glad we talked about many of these Oh, things. I know. Uh, yeah, and we were already thinking we wouldn't fit everything in. I know. <laughs> and then we we'll put on that oh, well. massive tangent. Well, we... <laughs> If we can cover the census and the Twitter thing, I'm happy. So let's try to focus on that. But anyway, yeah, so I, I last show I read just a little bit of this. The census got realized. Uh, one tweeter here says, uh, Callum, uh, one in six people in England and Wales are first generation foreigners. Uh, the number of people who were born in Romania grew by 576% since the previous census from 80,000 in 2011 to 539,000 in 2021. Woo! They go through some other stuff there. The printouts, 5.9 million usual residents, 9.9% held a non-UK passport. The most common non-UK passport was held, uh, that was held was Polish, 760,000. That's 1.3% of all usual residents. Uh, 545,000 usual residents, that's 0.9% of the population, had an address outside of the UK one year before the census. That's down from 11% from uh, from 2011. Interesting. Okay. Uh, one in five people in Swindon are foreigners. One in three people in Reading are foreigners. Uh, one he's in two- mention- I should say he's mentioning Swindon because that's where Sargon lives. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. There's the Akkad secretary. That's why. Okay. Yeah. I got, I got it now. Gotcha. I thought it was like it's a random, like, kind of. It's Let's just check a, in, you know? it is a rather random <laughs> town, yeah, but it's where Sargon happens to uh, oh, gotcha. settle. Gotcha. Thanks for clarifying that. One in two people, um, or g- uh, greater than one in two people in London, boroughs are foreigners. Yeah, we, we knew that. Not a single area of the UK has become more English in the last 10 years. Woof. This area was the lowest level of foreigners in our nation, right there. What is uh, Staffordshire? Is that what that is? The Mo- Moorlands? Yeah, um, I guess move, move so there, just move there folks. Right, so it's, it's between Birmingham and Manchester. Oof, wow, um, that's being flanked yeah. by uh, horror there, but yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I don't, I have no idea what Birmingham must look like now. I you hear know, for, it's Birmingham awful. for decades has been a very, very multicultural city. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it will be something incredible by now uh of course london is the same Uh, london is hugely multicultural um but then it's happening everywhere now you know it's no longer appropriate to just talk about big cities uh especially with the refugees the even little villages now are are diverse and it's the same in uh, germany it's the same in the netherlands I'm sure it's the same in France. They funnel them from the big cities into these little remote villages, so that see that in Sweden too, right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they're everywhere. So there's nowhere that you can go where it's just Swedish people. Where 20 years ago or 10 years ago, there would have been plenty of places like that, but they're trying to eliminate that so that so that diversity is everywhere and inescapable, which means that there is no little town, little village that is swedish or that is english 
you know, that's something that uh, is a thing of the past. And, you know, th this is just monstrous. Uh, and it's very difficult to talk about this without Fed posting. It's very difficult. <laughs> yes, I, I know. Yep. Because, uh, you know, it's just so infuriating and disgusting, enraging. that It's systematic replacement of a population and disenfranchising of a population. So that even if the majority in that little town are still native, well, they've now got 10% who are African and uh, whatever. So it's no, they can no longer say this is our town. That's just that you can't say that anymore. I mean, it's just, it's no longer. Well, I mean, obviously you could say it, but it's but it no longer feels true. Um, all so, of the, uh, all of this is is bad, uh, obviously. But then at the same time, in one way, if we are so, to see some positive in in the all the the black pilling here and the and the darkness, it's isn't it good that there's no place to flee because now we have to confront it right in yeah. one way that is good is is it not yeah i think so uh, because the, as long as white people can white flight they will i mean there's a, exactly. there's a reason that that's a phrase it's a it's a phrase because people keep doing it yeah it's a it's a it's a phenomenon that people keep doing so um if there's nowhere that they can flight white flight to then yeah, they will start have to. They'll have to start waking up and getting real and being honest with themselves. Also, it will, as an extension of that, it will mean that everyone has experience of diversity. So you won't get the person who lives in a rural town and has never seen a bunch of Africans together before. They've never seen a bunch of Africans hanging around on a street corner, uh, being aggressive to people. So. So they think, because such a person, if they've never had any experience of it, such a person when thinks uh, that anyone who moans about immigration is, is just a racist. It's just one of those horrible racists I've heard about. Because they simply don't know what they're talking about. So but if, if they have had uh, experience of diversity, then they'll know, oh, it's not actually you know, just crazy, rabid, unthinking racism. It's actually uh, just a fact that, you know, Africans change a place. Absolutely. I mean, there's some people that will escape it, maybe by gate, you know, gated communities. Maybe the mega wealthy. They have some kind of way. At the same time, you know, in Sweden, we've seen, I think, uh, some, you know, kind of more affluent areas like around Stockholm, like Södermalm and stuff like that. They've had. They're getting all the same issues now, right? You know, robberies and problems, and people are, you know, there's a lot of criminality around, gang violence, and all that stuff. So. There is, if there ever was some areas, those are getting fewer and fewer, and it's getting harder and harder. And again, good because many of those people are the ones who advocated for this, or at least they haven't done anything about it. They've, they've, oh no, of course we have to open up they, the borders and bring in. They the will, you know? they will have voted for it. Yeah, I mean that's that's make no mistake, that's absolutely the truth. Because they've no experience of it, they will vote for it. I mean, I think that's definitely true. I think, like with the Scots, for example, for they've had very little experience of mass immigration in Scotland. Yeah. Therefore, they think that any English, whenever English people moan about mass immigration, it's because they're racist. Whereas we up in Scotland are more enlightened. We are more liberal. <laughs> uh, well, now they'll they'll discover the reality of it. It really is not fun. When, when your kid is at school and he's the only white child in the class, that is not fun. 
by any this, means. This will create a, a wave of white identity on a level that we've never seen before. And I think we're in the middle of that right now. I don't I never take the stance that this is too late or, you know, oh, my God. I mean, it's 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 horrific and horrible, but um, our enemies have largely done it, uh, you know, to us. Right. That they, they they're the ones who are driving uh, the awakening, essentially, among our uh, people that we once again reconnect with our own identity, with, with our own roots and realize, like, even if you don't consider uh, yourself of being set apart or different or you might walk around with some like oh we're all equal and he says oh, it's just education that's the difference blah 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 those uh, those uh, pipe dreams are going to be destroyed pretty hard i think for oh yeah for most people. oh yeah all yeah all of these people who say well i don't see race race sees <laughs> you they're going to realize race sees you buddy <laughs> yeah <laughs> remember that meme uh, yeah i remember it the yeah. guy let's see if i can find that this is a really good one <laughs> <laughs> but there will be plenty, many, many people who have honestly had that attitude because they just don't know what they're talking about. That's right. Um, <clears throat> but this was uh, exactly <laughs> that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Look at that. Wow. Um, so th that will be a thing. I think. I mean, it's worth going in since since uh, you've asked me on partly because of I, I'm British and so I have some experience of this. I guess I should I could lay the ground here. Um, mass immigration and multiculturalism diversity was seen as the province of the Labour Party for many decades. But then you've got the Conservative, the, the, the Conservative Party as, uh, as the right wing rivals. And it's very much like the Dems and the Republicans. Very much, very similar, where the, the Republican Party that's supposedly Conservative is actually uh, very Zionist for a start, but also very uh, commercial, very obsessed with the, the economy, obsessed with expanding the GDP, can think about nothing but the GDP, can think about nothing but streamlining, opening up the economy, uh, big business, corporations, and so on. So it's the sort of stereotype of the, uh, the, the right-wing, the hard-nosed right-wing capitalist who cares about nothing except line going up and more and more money. That's really what the Conservative Party is in Britain, not forgetting the Zionist element as well. That's right. obviously relevant here, uh, as it is for the Republicans in America. Um, but either way, uh, leaving aside their motivations for doing this, that their uh, their beliefs are, or what their their actions, their policies are, what I've just described. So, Labour for decades was pro. I mean, if you if we leave aside the, the like the first fifty years of its existence, the Labour Party, if we talk from the nineties onwards, it was very much pro mass immigration. Um, you could go back further to the 70s. It was always a lefty thing to be anti-racist and so on, as it still is today. But from the 90s onwards, the Labour Party was sort of institutionally pro-multiculturalism. But the thing is, and, and so that enabled people to think that the Conservative Party isn't like that. The Conservative Party is sane. The Conservative Party cares about the native Brits uh, and so on. Of course, uh, an interesting contradiction to that is that it was the Conservative Party that first instituted the policy of multiculturalism in 1981 in Britain. It's like how you hear that actually it was the Conservatives that brought in gay marriage, you know, 
uh, it, it's it's always it turns out that the right winger has actually been. It's like when Reagan did did he not do an amnesty for Mexicans in the, like eighty five, something like that. I, I've forgotten what it was, but there was some big thing that he did, and you realise actually the Republicans are just as bad as the so called lefties, just for different reasons or ostensibly for different reasons. Um, it might be that the real reasons are to do with their backers and so on. You know what I'm talking about. But um, ostensibly, their reasons are economic. So, yeah. and, it's, and it's now happening again with the, the Conservative Party. So mass immigration was ma huge under Tony Blair, under New Labour from 97 onwards. Then the Conservative Party got voted back in in 2010, so 12 years ago. And everyone hoped that they would get mass immigration under control, that they would reverse the excesses of the new labour years. And they promised to do so. They said that they would do so. And what's happened is uh, exactly the opposite. It's become apparent that really they, not only did they not reduce mass immigration by a huge amount, uh, they didn't even reduce it at all. And not only that, but they increased it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, to massive numbers. I mean, last year it was a million new people arrived in Britain in a single year. Not like this is like migrant crisis level of stuff. It's like the, I know. 2015, yeah. it was two million into Germany in one year. Um, but but that was a big news story then. It was huge. Like, wow, two million. That's a massive number. Well, now we've got a million, and it wasn't even talked about it wasn't like it wasn't part of some massive drive to help these needy people like it, in 2015 they had to come up with a sort of narrative for it to to justify it in 2020 they can just do it as a matter of course just by default of course a million people are going to come into this country and join our population and help our economy of course a million people are going to do that every year and hopefully next year it'll be even more and and now the new government's come in, uh, still the Tories. It's a new prime minister, Liz Truss, and she said she was very much pro-mass immigration. Now it's Rishi Sunak, who's of Indian descent. And and both of these uh, prime ministers have have said that they are that they want to increase immigration, that they want to make it more. And and what they're specifically saying is they want. Well, they they aren't saying this explicitly, but what they mean is they want high IQ immigration. Um, I dare say they'll continue with the low IQ immigration as well, but they want, in this case, uh, Rishi Sunak, he wants Indians like himself. He wants his own kind to have an easier time of moving to Britain. Surprise, surprise. Hmm. I mean, who would have who would have thought it? You know? Yeah, of course he does. Yeah. Um, I mean, they could just improve India, but no, it, it, the, the the Indians have got to come to Britain again. This, so, uh, yeah, yeah, no. Finish your uh, train of thought there. Was well, that that's really. I mean, it's just more of the same. But I think it's become apparent to a huge number of. Well, I mean, you always hope. <laughs> it's you always hope <laughs> yeah. that this has permeated people's skulls. I think it has become apparent to a huge number of people who voted Tory, voted Conservative, thinking. They're not the Labour Party. They do care about the country. They, they're they not mad about diversity. They, they're not crazy about multiculturalism. They, they're sensible. They'll do the right thing. They'll rescue Britain from this descent into multicultural chaos. Well, I think a huge number of people now know that that's not the case. And not only because they secretly, quietly brought in a million last year, 
but also because they're now explicitly saying that they want to keep doing that in the future. Yeah, so the yeah. gloves are very much off, you know. And again, this is where they got the the conservatives, right? I mean, <clears throat> there's obviously like an anti-white agenda weaved into this too. The, the, it, a, a, anyone listening, I think, can see that too. But then at the same time, they, they were many of these people uh, in these parties and stuff. They were told by the economies, the economists and the demographers, basically like, you know, because for them, it's much about like the GDP, right? That's what the, it's not about the culture or tradition and like it's about the GDP and how do we keep we got to pay for the welfare somehow. And so they were told this lie that, well, you just open your borders. Right? Ever since the days of the uh, United Nations released their reports on population replacement, they've deleted that page recently, by the way, but we've referenced that for for years now, of them basically saying that's that's how you pull this off. You just import people kind of thing. And, and, and many of them bought this lie that's thinking like, okay, we can just import millions of people and then the country will remain the same. What we know, of course, is the... The issue that you can't replace the, the population and expect things to, to remain the same instead of dealing with the potential, you know, issues of population decline and, and, and let's spread it out over time or stuff like that. Economists, demographers and all these people in, in, in like the mainstream, they're just like let, the solution is just to open the borders and let them all in. Not nowhere do I hear discussions about like, you know, they're still, uh, you know, puzzled by this like why why don't they have more children is there something we can do you know and they and they reference like can we do tax breaks maybe for those who want to have you know if they have more than two kids or something like that kind of thing and and, and no one as far as i've heard officially at least have stopped and said like maybe we shouldn't like shit all over the native population of our lands maybe we should we, maybe we can encourage like us to actually be proud of who we are and things like that and and, and for them not to tie in the whole anti-white narrative yeah. into this is just i mean unbelievable uh, that they're pretending that this doesn't have any consequences either oh absolutely but there's so much dishonesty i mean the, the conservative party is famous for this they'll say that yeah we, we we realize that you don't we've got the message we realize you don't like the that your town is changing out of recognition and no longer feels like home yeah of course that that sounds bad it must be horrible so uh we're listening we're hearing you don't worry and so we'll reduce immigration to the tens of thousands that was what david cameron pledged to do um and then his successor theresa may and then her successor boris johnson and then his successor liz truss um but i think liz truss was the first one to say the, the opposite no, no we, we actually want more of this yeah and um and and now as i say rishi sunak said the same i mean it, and it isn't another aspect to this is morgoth just did a video uh about a company called circle yep heard of them now yep. this, this is a, this yep. is a whole other aspect to it which is that it has now been made profitable for for large like it's been a uh, a, a climate has been created wherein a corporation can make a huge amount of money and this is not like big pharma it's not like the world economic forum or it's not like amazon where profit doesn't matter this is a good old-fashioned corporation that wants profit <laughs> and um they are they can make a profit by housing refugees yeah and uh morgoth's video went into this in great indeed it's a really good video everyone should watch it because it shows even if you're not british you know that the same thing will be happening in your own country i'm sure and uh, basically they've made it into a profit a profitable enterprise to uh bring in loads of migrants 
and then to house them. So th this company basically gets uh, huge grants from the government and then it funnels those grants into landlords. It tells landlords, hey, you don't need to worry about finding a tenant for that room, uh, tenants for the next five years. We'll do that for you. We'll get, we'll take, we'll rent the room from you for the next five years and we guarantee you will never need to worry about it. We'll pay the bills, we'll pay the, the council tax and we'll pay the rent. And uh, basically it's a sort of unending money and it's guaranteed. So therefore the landlord is now, uh, I mean, it's, that's all bad enough already, but the secondary effect of that is that landlords are now uh, disincentivized from taking on native British people as tenants because they can make more money or, money, or at least they have more of guaranteed long-term income by renting the room out to Sarko, who will put a refugee in there. So it's it's like the it's like the society eating itself, destroying itself. So there's no it disincentivizes social cohesion. It disincentivizes uh, helping your own kind. It disincentivizes uh, creating trust and bonds of trust between a landlord and a tenant. Now all of that goes out. It just goes, and instead you've got a, a public private partnership technocracy. Yeah. I mean, this is a yeah. technocratic solution. Yeah. Uh, to a, well, I say solution. Uh, um, it's a technocratic situation, and uh, it's just demonic when you think about it. You know the the, the damage, the social damage that it will do, um, and the spiritual damage that it will do to a people, because you're intervening on one of the key commercial transactions that goes on in a society, a landlord and tenant, and uh, replacing it with something that's systematized, highly efficient, uh, highly profitable and excludes by design, by nature, excludes the native people. So if you're a young guy trying to get a room for your, uh, so that you can live in that city and do that job, well, uh, most of the rooms will be taken up by Serco, <laughs> or at least that will now be a big thing. And yeah. of course that will also uh, raise the rents as a long-term effect because Serco can afford to pay very high rents. So. It will become ever more competitive. So the um, it's, it's like a race to the top, but it, well, a race to the bottom. Because as a native Brit, you're just screwed. You're just screwed. Yeah. In your own country. Yep. So this is absolutely evil, uh, and that company should be dissolved. I mean, you know, a sane government would take control and dissolve that company and just reverse all of this. And that's what should happen. Yes. Obviously. Yep. Yeah, and then many of the politicians are in their pockets, or they get kickbacks, or they're part of the board, or something, or you know, Absolutely. one way or another, Absolutely. they they always you know kind of get you right. But again, it's part of that the maximization, just endless growth, more debt, more people. It's almost like you know, in one way, like they're farming, <laughs> they're farming us. They just want more, you know, kind of thing. Now that is coming to a close, as we said, and even people um, who have come to our countries uh, are going to suffer under the same consequences. They, they kind of maybe a little bit temporarily managed to push off a couple of things by just having this crazy like immigration policy. But then, of course, as I said before, then you've had like 
I mean, a hundred other things of negative consequences coming in the wake of that too, right? The insecurity, the crime increase, the you know, Absolutely. you know, everything just breaks Absolutely. down. So, it's, of course, it, yeah. it's worth pointing out that the money that so Circle gets its money from the government, but the money that the government gets that money from the taxpayer. From us, exactly. So yeah. this is this is the other the more it makes it all even worse, which is that the native Brits are paying for their own. Yep. Replacement, demise. as they yeah. do in, in other countries and in, in other ways, you know, it, it's always it's the tax money that pays for mass immigration and uh, the refugee centers and so on. Yeah. So it's it's just utterly evil. Now, as you say, it might not be sustainable. I mean, for how long can it the government no. just pay out billions and billions of pounds to these corporations to house refugees? How long can that go on for? Yeah. And the worrying thing, the worrying the question is, maybe they don't need it to go on for very long. Maybe they just need, you know, to replace the population. And then that's what I that's thought. If the it, goal. It, it felt like they just want to inflict as much damage in a, a short period of time as possible. That's what it feels like, right? They have this deadline, you know, 2030, sustainable development goals, blah, blah, blah. They're just maximizing that. Then at the same time, I mean, I think all of these people that have come into our countries, uh, are going to have to go back home. That, that, that's just the end of it, right? Um, and, and even if they were born in a European or Western country, well, then they need to go back to where their parents or grandparents uh, or great-grandparents came you know, from. If and, you're born in a stable, you're not a horse. That, right, exactly. That's a cliche, right. and it's just true. Yeah. You know, it's a cliche because it's just the truth. Everyone knows it. Yes. If I if I had kids in China, they would not be Chinese, and everyone bloody knows it. Exactly. Yep. And it's going to be very interesting, therefore, to see um, what happens now under these, uh, you know, shortages essentially that are are assumed to to come upon us, and and, and we don't know the degree. Uh, of severity of this, everyone can speculate, and maybe it's less bad, maybe it's really bad. We don't know, but the point is, that I think we're up for a, a period of upheaval. Uh, we're talking destabilization, uh, shortage of, of, of food, uh, most likely, obviously, of energy. That's already happening, and it's going to be very interesting to see what people that came to our countries to mostly just kind of benefit from the the gibbs essentially that that country has to offer will they leave and 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 go to other areas you have then you have another danger to this too right where if if you get a collapse of the fertilization uh, for, for the fertilizer industry essentially which of course many people have talked about that just ukraine and russia alone falling off that map is a drastic uh, gonna gonna have drastic consequences of that and if you talk about countries like South in South America, or obviously Africa, right, Sub-Saharan Africa and stuff like that, who relies a lot on this to keep their their uh, their produce coming, we could also be looking at a at at new waves of migration because of food insecurity. I, I showed this graph the other day here of uh, Africa, just as one example, right, and it highlights the the food insecurity situation there. And as you can see, a lot of the um, Central African countries, Sub-Saharan African countries, are 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 in the, if not orange, in, in the red, uh, of course, which is from crisis to emergency, right? I don't know if this is going to then exacerbate, like it, it just a, millions and millions of people are going to try to come to Europe if they're in Africa, if they're in, in uh, South America, they'll try to go to America, etc. Um, all this is up in the air, but, that, but this still doesn't guarantee that we'll have very good food security either. There's some people that actually predicts, I mean, they're predicting hundreds of millions of people lost to famine over the next couple of years 
um, that, and that will certainly change the dynamic. I mean, and again, we, this, we, is, this is another aspect of it. Yeah, you know, the the British government is in the in the war in World War Two. The British government planted potatoes and carrots and onions and so I can't remember the, the different vegetables, but they planted, they just used wherever there was grassland, <laughs> they planted vegetables so that people would, wouldn't starve to death. Well, what the government's been doing this year is it's been paying British farmers to stop farming. I know. To shut, yep, to shut down. I mean, they're offering a huge, a huge lump sum to just shut down your farm, just stop. While the Ukraine thing has been going on, so I think, I mean, you know, it's it's just it's <laughs> you don't know what to say. You know, it, it's it's either baffling or it's horrifying. It's you know, like they, they, they seem to be setting up a situation deliberately where many people will starve to death. Yeah, and it's the same in uh, the Netherlands, of course, with the famous yep the shutting down the farming sector ammonia tax or yeah. what was it or the 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 slashing of the the percentage of ammonia and stuff like that. Yeah, and that will certainly change the the dynamic. It's not like that. I mean, again, we didn't do this, obviously, so it's it's not on us. But at the same time. Uh, we are. This will force people to to start thinking of themselves. You know, like j just look at the aid, for example, that we've been given to. And many people will come back and say, "Oh, well, you know, oh, colonialism and Western people did this and blah blah blah, all kinds of things to guilt us into that situation." But obviously, it's been a net negative for these people in these regions by having us, you know, being propped up by Western societies and the UN and things like that. It's basically has led to a population explosion, which also then now might lead to a population collapse on a level that we've never seen before. I think we shouldn't have meddled to begin with, obviously. But look, it is what it is. But the point is, we might get come to a point where like people seriously will like start talking about like we can't give like you know another Marshall Plan essentially in in, in aid to Africa. Someone did the math on this, and there was something like fifty Marshall Plans. Have been given in aid from from uh, west the west to Africa over the last fifty years or something like that. Yeah, and it's just unsustainable, and 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 we have to start thinking of ourselves uh, first. Absolutely, <laughs> I mean, you know. And a, a minute a miniature of this situation was when that German politician woman said that whatever her German voters wanted, she, she would work to support the people of Ukraine. Yeah. And she, I can't remember the exact wording and of yeah. course it was translated into English so but her point was that basically she cared more about the people of Ukraine than her own voters. Yeah. And and what her own voters want doesn't matter. It's not part of the equation at all. So this is utter contempt for the very people that she is there to serve and should be serving. Now <clears throat> again, we have put up with this kind of treatment because the tap gave clean water the electricity supply was didn't run out the wi-fi was fast when that stops when the luxury goes i'm really i'm really interested to know what happens i mean are people going to tolerate this kind of behavior from their politicians when they are enduring genuine hardship I and mean, much yeah. worse than the wi-fi going slow exactly, exactly. <laughs> much worse than existential, that existential uh, uh, you know problems yeah, i mean why now that it's clear that there are going to be food shortages. Why aren't the British government planting potatoes all over the country? Yeah. Uh, why aren't they planting you know, all this stuff? Why aren't they doing that? They know that is an easy 
not solution to the problem, but definitely a way to alleviate the problem. So they should be doing it right now. Yep. No question. If you think that your your population could uh, are in danger of starving, <laughs> you would be doing this. They've, they've done away with reserves. We, we used to have them in Sweden. We had stockpiles. If the crisis comes, we had uh, even underground, uh, you know, like uh, what could bomb shelters, essentially, like different, you know, underground facilities for these kinds of things. They've done away with all of this, and the official the official explanation was was literally like, oh well, the, you know, after the Cold War and the collapse of the Soviet Union, it was like, okay, well, that's it. You know, history is over. We solved it. Liberal democracies won. You know, kind of thing. There is no more danger. That's it. We're 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 done with yeah. that. Let's let's turn them into server farms instead for ISPs and stuff like that. And look at it now. Like we have nothing back up, and we didn't. You know, I mean, I don't buy that. I think that, but 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 some of the managerial classes were told that essentially it's like, oh, that's it. Prosperity forever from now on out. <laughs> you know. Yeah, definitely, and they definitely believed it. I mean, it was it was clearly. The attitude that, again, I, I'm sure it was the same for you, our generation, we were raised to believe that, that this is it now. You know, we're, we've sorted out the problems. So now it's just prosperity. Yeah. And uh, and and, up and and for 20 years it was. You know, if you think about from 99 to 2019, it was just endless prosperity. I mean, obviously with the global financial crisis in the middle of that as a sort of warning <laughs> yep. that, was, uh, that was not heeded. So, but either way, you know, the, the ordinary person, could believe this. The, the ordinary person could believe that we've got it all sorted out. Um, and I think that, yeah, the, the COVID was a, an eye-opener, but now th this, what's coming now, is, is going to really disprove the, the whole end of history thing. That, that whole yeah. thing is just, no, actually, you do need to, feed, to, to eat. That means you need to grow food. It might, you need it might. energy, you need, you need warmth in the winter. Yeah. yeah. All of this, the, the, the basics of life that we had completely forgotten about, really. It's going to force people potentially back to the countryside, which again, it's completely opposite of what like the sustainable development goals they've been pushing for is they want us in mega hubs in the pods eating the bugs and stuff. And I think we're out of necessity, unless they can stop this somehow, are going to go in the complete opposite here, potentially. And I mean, look, look, that's going to do wonders for our demographics. Us literally getting our hands in the soil again. We'll have start having more kids again out on the countryside. I think that this could be, look, horror short term potentially. I don't want that, but that's might be what what's coming. Uh, but long term, this might be very healthy for uh, for our people. It's it's unfortunate. I wish it didn't have to go down this way. But look, it is what it is. And as I said before, we just have to make uh, you know what do they say a uh, lemonade out of lemon lemons in a way, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And so then you have so the energy, you have the energy yeah. issue on top of that. You know, here's one in the UK: government tests energy blackout emergency plans as supply fears grow. I talked about deindustrialization of Germany over the next year or two if this keeps up. I, I, they're they're looking at like liquefied natural gas. Of course, Norway have expanded, I think, as much as they can their energy production. And you have the Baltic pipeline, where you know the competitor open, of course, on the same day as Nord Stream uh, <laughs> explodes, uh, coincidentally, called the Bi the Baltic. Uh, pipeline uh, that connects Norway and Poland but it looks like so far none of that is like is enough to make up for the no. loss of Russian no gas. apparently I heard that the Baltic pipeline only supplies about 10% of what Nord Stream supplies. right yeah there you go so yeah. it's just nowhere near enough no 
So it's crazy, absolutely crazy times, and it's, as I say, interesting times and uh, dangerous times, but potentially something we could utilize. And I think we're we're, we're part of um, something that could turn the tide. It, you know, I'll oscillate between like this is planned or they're just inept and incompetent and they don't know what they're doing and now we're here we are kind of thing. Um, but as you said before, I think it's true that they don't – sometimes they're clever at using – uh, certain events that happen to their advantage, you know. I mean, like something yes. unknown shows up, and oh, okay, let's pivot and 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 do this as a counteraction, or or you, you well, use this I mean, crisis, that's, you know. Yeah, that's it. the whole point of having power. But you know, th there are two reasons to have power, two primary sort of ways that you use it. The first is you use it to do what you want. The second is when something happens that you didn't want to happen, you can deal with it because you've got power. So in other words, it's well, it gives you options. It, give, it gives you the ability to react to circumstances. And uh, so, you know, otherwise, what would be the point of having power? If you couldn't react to, if it didn't help you to react to circumstances, what would be the point of having it? Exactly. No, <laughs> so it's absolutely. It's not surprising yeah, that no. they, they are able to make use of things. And you see this time and again, where uh, what should be a crisis has actually turned to their advantage one way or another, whether, yeah. you know, whenever some... Uh, let's say some politician is caught in, in a corrupt act or whatever, well, suddenly that becomes a cause. I mean, I'm trying to think of an, an example that makes this really obvious. But I, I remember there, were, there was one where it, it, they just turned it around so that instead of, oh, yeah, I remember the one. Here, here's one that really makes this obvious. It was a, a police officer killed a, a woman in London about a year ago. And that should have been, okay, there's there's a problem with the police service, the police force. It should have been, uh, you know, it's becoming dangerous and, and so on. But what they did instead was they turned it into, well, it was a white man who did it. And it was, right. and it, yeah. it was a white man. Yeah. So they made it into, well, there we go. There's the evidence, white men are out of control. White men are the threat. The women aren't safe anywhere. Women should be worried about white men. So that's an example of them taking something that they didn't plan for. As far as I know, they didn't plan it. Um, I don't see why they would have. Um, and they certainly didn't need to plan it because this, this kind of thing is going to happen. I think it's the same with something like George Floyd. I mean, I don't think that was planned. I don't think that was made to happen. But as soon as it did happen, they were able to massively exploit it. And probably they had it on a... Uh, they were waiting for the next one to happen, and then we're going to use it, and we're going to, you know, do what they what they did with it. Exactly. No, that's that's it. In some cases, it's like cascading crises upon crises. That's kind of led us to where we are in a way. You know, utilizing one thing that creates another scenario, creates another scenario. Yeah. Let me take yeah, a couple yeah. of these here. Uh, Hexagod on Odyssey says, uh, do you read Odyssey Super Chats, Hendrik? Testing one, two. Yes, we do. Sorry for uh, lagging behind a little bit there, but I do read those. Appreciate that. Uh, we also had MHT says uh, over on Entropy Stream. Uh, on an unrelated and lighter note, did you see the Beanie Man's new music video that he dropped today? I don't even know who that is. Uh, maybe you I can think watch. he means Tim Pool. Oh, Beanie Man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. Oh, my God. Did you see his pre... Oh, my. It's so cringe. I can't believe it. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh man. Uh, anyway, so, yeah. Maybe you can watch it and comment at the end uh, or a future stream if you want. Thank you for the link. Uh, yeah, we love to keep up with uh, Tim Pool's new music videos. Good stuff. Thank you, MHD. Cody M says... 
the mass immigration is so much larger in numbers in America than in Europe, but Europe fills up much faster. Yeah, it's a smaller uh, area, of course, right? Uh, but then at the same time, you have... I don't know. I mean, it depends on if you view the illegal versus legal. And I mean, I, I just bundle everything together kind of thing. And I'm actually not sure how it parses out there. But if you're just for population, I think, yeah, maybe America is getting more uh, overall. But uh, it's just it, it, this idea that they're like, it's just I don't buy it. It's just such bullshit that they some people believe that they were going to like continue with the system by just like importing millions and millions of people and keep the debt uh, consumption uh, system going. It's like now 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 we're seeing the hard crash of that. And and again, I mean, this might let's look at it. This might and then we could pivot and just talk a little bit about uh, Twitter and Elon, uh, maybe 10 minutes or so here before we start wrapping up. But. This might uh, awaken the the, uh, the dragon, so to speak, uh, woes here. I, I, they're, they're playing with fire, and I just hope and I, and I think I'm positive. I think that our people still has what it takes uh, to throw off these shackles and wake up and uh, get angry at what has been done to us. I think there's a huge possibility of that here, and I, and I'm not sure if they know what they're doing here. When you start meddling. With people's food supply, you can't feed your kids potentially, you can't heat your home. You'll have a rebellion on such a level, I hope, on your hands, you know, in such a quick time that they won't even be able to react to this. What, what do you think? Just a cash flow, like a little prediction here yeah, about that. I mean, the, I think so far the police have been very loyal to the regime, whether it was in America, Britain, Canada, uh, Australia, of course, with the, you know, the lockdowns. Um, but, and it really hinges on that, doesn't it? I mean, I think that everything, all of this, the mass immigration, the the resource shortages and uh, ridiculous social rules with you know, COVID and all that, all of this was sustainable and will, will remain sustainable as long as the police remain loyal to the regime. Now, police obviously, are, and remember Charlottesville, you know, they are loyal to the regime. They, they are thinking about their pensions, they're thinking about their employment, and they're thinking about things like Derek Chauvin. If they, they step out of line, the regime is very good at ruining, destroying their lives. Yeah. So that's all so far. But if, uh, it, but every policeman is going to know, you know, he's got he's got relatives, people who are starving to death, people who are suffering by diversity, um, maybe people very close to him. You know, there are people. You know, that's the thing. A police officer is a, is a human being as well. He's, he's he's subject to the same shit that the rest of the public have to contend with. So, at what point are they going to go rogue and say, actually, I'm not going to enforce this anymore, and you can take my pension? Doesn't it's not of any use to me anyway. If if money is becoming meaningless and we're all going to be living on you know digital credits, <laughs> then what difference does it make? I'll yeah. just take the UBI. Yeah. Um, so I'll not enforce this anymore. And I know that uh, in various police forces in America are struggling to recruit new cops. Yep. Uh, military heard, as well. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I heard that it's the same in the US military because yep. all, all the trans admirals and all that. <laughs> they, they, you know, ordinary people just don't want... But they have, they have <laughs> the, free the, the gender re reassignment surgery yeah. woes. What the hell? Absolutely. I mean, come on. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, when you think about the kind of the stereotype, you know, the, the kind of guy who goes into the US Army, <laughs> is he going to be amenable to that kind of thing and taking orders from a great big tranny? I mean, it's just, it's, it's laughable. Yeah. And so apparently I, what I heard was 
but they're having to actually uh, men who have been uh, dishonorably discharged from the army for, for example, political reasons, or the white nationalists or whatever, apparently they're now being approached to rejoin. And they're saying, we'll wipe the slate clean, uh, <laughs> kind of like the Matrix. Well, right. clean slate, Mr. Neo. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, well, forget all of your, your terrible politics. Um, and, and that's what I've heard. I don't know if it's true. But uh, if it's not true now, I believe it, it will be true in the near future because they're simply struggling. They cannot find people who are willing to do this. Now, now the point is that means the process I'm talking about is already happening. White men don't want to take part in this system that is corrupt and, uh, and is uh, working against their own interests, ultimately. Because that's the thing. It, it might be in a cop's interest to obey the rules and enact the policy yeah. in the in the short term but long term his society is falling apart and he knows it and he knows that he's uh playing a role in that so i think even the cops eventually and you know the military whatever even them eventually uh, they are going to start uh just saying no i'm not enforcing this anymore yeah um and we've seen signs of this in france uh, that you know remember that general uh the key key Key. Oh, key, key. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and also there was a thing where a bunch of French generals were, were, I can't remember what it was exactly, but they were, I think it was 100 French generals or something, were saying that they were basically plotting a coup to take over the French government uh, because they, were, they thought the society was uh, doomed to fall apart. Um, and the same thing was also in Germany. And uh, there was a military thing where a bunch yeah. of high ups in the military it was discovered. Yeah. It was actually discovered by accident. Like a, a coup, um, mutiny, or like you know, takeover. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a military coup. Yeah. So obviously, there are people with their heads screwed on who realise this mm -hmm. society is heading. This is not chaos. working. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the, the the orders from above uh, are not seen anymore. No. Uh, I mean, maybe they have their own logic, but it's not a logic that works for <laughs> the people of no. the, the country. No. So um, I, I just think that, that this, I well, I hope that eventually it just becomes unsustainable. Yes. Um, no, I think they want, uh, they want to try to create order out of chaos. I think they want to try to utilize that. They want to build back better. But my point is, I, I think they've bit, bit off too much uh, that they can chew. And I don't think they'll be able to do it. I, I, mean, I, I think, I think as I, sorry, I just yeah. realized something I didn't cover. Sure, go ahead. Um, what they need is a police state. The only way you're going to do all of this is with a police state. So with the, the mass immigration, the diversity, the, the huge crime levels, um, and people checking out, and uh, COVID rules and equivalent stuff in the future, the resource shortages, the only way that that is a dreadful tinderbox situation and the only way you can control it is with a police state so they have to build a police state but in order to build a police state you need massive numbers of police and so again it comes back to this thing if the if you know, the human nature is eventually going to assert itself i think because enough police are going to say fuck this 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 everyone i know is suffering by this system that i'm being asked to enforce yeah. So I, yep. I've, yeah. I hope you're right. Hope you're right. So let's do this. Let's. Uh, I do want to. We got to cover it, uh, Musk here a little bit. Are you, are you good for another ten minutes or so? Woes here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's do this. Let's. Let me see if I can summarize real quick here of what happened. 
obviously, Musk bought Twitter, 40 billion plus, whatever, 44 billion. Uh, free speech, all the liberals are freaking out. Boycotts are beginning now with advertisers and stuff. Uh, halfway through, uh, it was like a little bit there for a little bit. It was a little positive for a little bit there. Like, oh, this could be interesting. And then that uh, was punctured very quickly. Uh, when we learned that Musk started to have meetings with, uh, you know, uh, Greenblatt and these these people. There was one tweet. I can show that here. Uh, Elon Musk said here, um, I think it's like two days ago now, uh, talked to civil society leaders. Jay Greenblatt at the ADL, uh, Yal Eisenstadt, uh, Russia Robinson, blah, 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 a bunch of other uh, uh, people, and NAACP. The Bush Center, blah, 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 about how Twitter will continue to combat hate and harassment and enforce its election integrity policies. Twitter will not allow anyone who was deplatformed for violating Twitter rules back on the platform until we have a clear process for doing so, which will take at least a few more weeks. Twitter's content moderator uh, moderation council will include representatives with widely divergent views. Oh, good. Uh, which will certainly include a civil rights community and groups who face Hate-fueled violence, he said on Twitter. Then he had another uh, guy that was criticized as well, of course. Uh, Yul Roth, uh, Liz Wheeler said on Twitter here, uh, Yul Roth is nasty individual. He's the one who been like overseeing, I think, safety or something like that. I forget exactly his position, but he's, he's high up. In, in, in He was basically partially responsible for, for getting Trump booted off the platform. And she said, uh, uh, Yul Roth should have been the first person that was fired. Uh, he called uh, Trump an, an actual Nazi and a racist tangerine and used his opinion to justify censoring Trump. And then Musk replied and said, we've all made some questionable tweets, me more than most, but I want to be clear that I support Yul. My sense is that he has high integrity and we're all entitled to our political views. Well, it, that's beyond P political views when you're beginning to censor people that's just okay you can have your views but now you're making judgments and decision based on that cat turd on twitter said uh, uh, also criticizing yul roth uh, this is the guy Elon Musk had total faith in to be the head of safety and integrity. Keep your other social media accounts. I really thought this were going to change here, but I was wrong. I won't pay a monthly fee. They're looking for eight uh, bucks a month for the blue check mark now, I believe, uh, to be targeted by these biased, hateful loons. And here's a follow-up on this a little bit more. I know I have some comments on this. Um, Whoa, so I'll let you in here in a second. But uh, ADL said today, uh, today, we're joining dozens of other groups to ask advertisers to pause Twitter spending because we are profoundly concerned about anti-Semitism and hate on the platform. Here's it, it, can, I, can I just say, yes, it, it's, worth, it's worth pointing out here that all of those other tweets were two days ago. Yep. And that was when he was trying to cozy up to the ADL and he said he'd done the meeting and uh, all of that. And they've responded by with, with this. So it's important because... <laughs> He was trying to cozy up to them, and the, re the reaction to that is, oh, we're going to fuck you over. So I keep swearing. I, yeah, I no, that's it. fine. Don't worry um, about it. Well, we're going to screw you over anyway, because you've still, you've clearly still not got the, the message. We, we are in, we call the tune, you do the dance. And I think that Elon Musk still hasn't got that idea. He's, I think he, you know, it's, it's, it's there are eerie, it's, 
eerily reminiscent of Trump in the early days, where right. I think yeah. I think he actually did go in quite naive, thinking he was going to drain the swamp. <laughs> and within a yep, few days, probably. it was made clear to him, no, <laughs> yeah, we, we can make terrible things happen to the people you love. Yeah. Okay. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Um, so it's your own choice. You can either do what we want or that can happen. Yeah. Uh, something like that was intimated to Trump early on, I think. And I think it's similar now with Elon Musk, where he thought, well, I'm this. I'm going to be the CEO. I'm going to own the thing so I can do what I want with it. And now he's discovering, actually, it's, it's actually a lot more complicated than that. And just because you own it and just because you're the CEO, the chief twit, really doesn't mean much because we're the ADL. That's right. He's, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 incredible that he, I'll get to what he, kind of his reply of what that was and just like, I mean, look, he could, of course, kind of play dumb, you know, like for the audience or whatever, for like for, for people out there and like, hey, what's going on here? You know, kind of thing. But at the same time, it's like now's the time to stand your ground. Continuing from the ADL and their threat here. Uh, this past Tuesday, Twitter's new owner, Elon Musk, met with representatives from US, U.S. civil society organizations, including Greenblatt and this other Yal Eisenstadt, I'm not even sure, oh, some other ADL person. Following that meeting, Musk pledged that, quote, Twitter will continue to combat hate and harassment, including anti-Semitism. Since that meeting... Musk permitted Kanye West to start posting again from Yee's DeathCon 3 tweet to Kyle, uh, Kyrie Irving promoting an anti-Semitic film. We've, been, uh, we've seen celebrities use Twitter to disseminate anti-Semitic conspiracy theories and hate to tens of millions of followers. I continue here. This is going to say Adam Green from No More News is is mentioned in the third tweet in this thread, by the way, when Adam Green, an anti-Semitic podcaster with over over 28,000 followers, shared a tweet describing Judaism with the terms like savage, evil and wicked. Twitter decided to remove it. uh, uh, Twitter declined. Sorry to remove it after being alerted to it by the ADL, saying that it did not violate its community guidelines. And then they go on and talk about the Nazism and blah, 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 National Justice Party. They are up there, blah, blah, blah. And then they talked about how this is kind of interesting, too. Since October 27th, a 4chan driven campaign in which trolls are deliberately flooding Twitter with anti-Semitic imagery and memes in response to Musk's takeover have increased in volume. As of today, it's received over 16,000 mentions. And then they say, basically, Musk uh, must do something. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm make until Musk makes real changes to to the stop hate for profit. We urge advertisers to stop toxic Twitter by pausing their ad- advertising on the platform globally. So it, it's fascinating too, though, that they're recognizing that there is a troll campaign. Doesn't that mean that it that makes it kind of insincere? That they're just like doing it to test the boundaries, but they take that seriously as a as a serious thing, you know, the four chan campaign, four chan campaign kind of thing. And it's just so bizarre to me, but it shows you. It just you put your uh, your the, the you know strike the nail on the head there. This is them telling him that it doesn't matter if you you know if you comply with us or not. You must do one hundred percent what we tell you to do. So he tweeted. Do I have that follow up tweet? He said. Uh, Oh man, did I not include that? Elon Musk said, "Let me see if it's high, high up in his." Uh, but this is a fascinating thing here. Um, let me see if it's here. He basically said, 
Yeah, about the massive drop in revenue. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, here, here it is. Here it is. Twitter has had a massive drop in revenue due to activist groups pressuring advertisers, even though nothing has changed with content moderation and we did everything we could to appease the activist. Extremely messed up. They are trying to destroy free speech in America. And this is just like, boom, you know, kind of thing. Because he, he saw what happened with Kanye. Kanye, he saw the things he talked about. And basically, I mean, they all but basically ruined everything that Kanye had because he said the wrong things and, and they don't like that. And they'll ruin Musk too. Even if he complies now, they could potentially ruin him, ruin him at any moment. Now is his time to stand up to these people, to fight back, to say no, to put down his foot. Otherwise, he'll be their bitch forever, right? No matter well, what you know, pressure they put on him, he must comply by that. Or, you know, he'll, he bought it for $44 billion. It's not his platform. That's what this shows. Go ahead. Absolutely. And th there was another thing where uh, Elon Musk said, yeah, so that tweet about the revenue. And Eel Ian Miles Chung, still grey, replied to that saying, it's time to stop appeasing the activists because they will stop at nothing to hurt Twitter, regardless yeah. of what you do. And that yep. got 10,000 likes. Good. And then Elon Musk replied to it saying, you're right. Oh, good. Okay. Nice. Yeah, I'll yeah. send you the screenshot. Okay, good, um, good. Yeah, I'm looking uh, forward to hearing something. Semi, semi, semi a gog sent it, uh, posted it. Um, <laughs> I hear so, says, it's okay to ban the ADL. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> good solution to it there. <laughs> Just ban the ADL. <laughs> ban the fuck. Look, they've they've shown that the, their coercion, they're fucking with other people's business. This is torturous interference. It's just because of their views. They're, they're stepping in between and becoming a fight, you know. Prevent. This is what like the there should be other things that lawsuits entail, like destroying a reputation. That's very hard with defamation. But one of the things is like you can prove, um, uh, you know, lo loss in revenue. Right. That's been one of the big things with lawsuits in the U.S. at least. Right. This is like the direct evidence here that they're meddling and and, and going in between and screwing up a whole corporation's uh, revenue. Sue the ass out of these people. <laughs> Just destroy them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it, well, I mean, the trouble is, <laughs> would you be able to get enough lawyers, if you know what I mean, <laughs> to uh, to act against the ADL? Um, but yeah, in theory, because I mean, they're doing it right out in the open. It's completely explicit. Um, yeah, I agree that this really is a make or break thing for Elon Musk and for Twitter. I mean, that we're seeing something playing out that I think is very important. Um, I mean, I oh, think yeah. that Twitter is important. You know, a lot of people on our side will say that it doesn't matter. It's, it's not the real world and all that. I think it is important. Uh, not, and, you know, people will say that I am I was addicted to it, whatever. I was addicted to it. Fine. But that's like, that's four years ago. Right? I'm, I'm well, well over it. And to be honest, I, I don't even miss it. Um, you know, it's not, it's a part of the past. Um, I don't really care uh, one way or the other. Uh, in terms of my own... Uh, use of it. However, just as a thing in, in and of itself and something for our movement, it is very valuable. And, um, and you know, I want to see free speech restored. Um, and, and I don't think that's going to happen with YouTube. I don't think it's going to happen with Facebook. It's definitely not going to happen with Instagram. But there's a chance that it could happen with Twitter. Uh, or at any rate, that free speech could be increased if not restored to what it was in, you know, 2015, <laughs> it could certainly be increased. Um, 
Uh, but either way, however this pans out, I think it's going to be significant because it is a sort of uh, a lot rides on this. You know, if if uh, Elon Musk just decides to you know ignore them and go ahead and restore freedom of speech, that's significant. If he doesn't, if he's cowed by them and dominated by them, that's also significant because many many people. We'll see, we'll see exactly. That's just it. That's that's why this is so important. Even if you know, again, just to emphasize, Elon is not our guy. This, might, in fact, might be a very subversive thing with the X app, the Everything app. He wants to model it after WeChat. We've shown you these things. We've shown you how it basically he lines up with most of the things that Klaus Schwab talked about. You know, kind of thing. He he's working on Neuralink, brain computer interfaces. He's kind of like a you know, he's like a Marvel uh, Iron Man kind of guy, right? He's like, oh, people think he's, you know, the 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 cool hip uh, philanthropist who's going to, you know, help save the city or whatever. But so he could very well be in on it. But I'm saying this is now beyond the Elon Musk, the person. And this is now about something. Do, I mean, think about this. Do people out there and even the, from the ADL's point of view, what they did to Kanye, what they've done to uh, Ky- Kyle Irvin. Uh, Kyrie. Oh, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, like the latest on that is that he gave them $500,000. Like, oh, here, like pay them off. They're giving that, which is like X to doubt. Really? Are they really giving that? I've seen them take money, but then screw people over anyway. But okay, be, be that as it may. The point is, people are noticing this and looking at this and just like, who the fuck are these people to ma- to mm. decide and to judge and to, and, 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 and provably, they're proving um, uh, Kanye West's point here, right? Of like, oh, they 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 ruin you if you say the wrong things, and to prove that they don't have institutional power, they destroy everything you have, and and ruin you know billionaires in the process. It shows you what they're trying to prevent from from people out there learning that they, they're verifying yeah. this. Yeah, yeah it, al- it also proves that they do have institutional power, uh, obviously, because you should you simply couldn't do this if you didn't. So it, it absolutely proves Kanye West's point true. Um, there's an interesting point that's just been made in the Odyssey chat. Someone said, a white utopia wouldn't have Twitter. (laughs) I agree with you. Uh, And to be honest, I think a white utopia wouldn't wouldn't have social media, probably. It would be people socializing in their own wee village. Um, That that would be the better. That that would be better. But the trouble is, right now, we're not living in a white utopia. And in this situation, in this situation, Twitter is or could be useful to us, so it's you know it's needs must basically. Um, I I don't think sorry that sounds like a pun like needs Musk. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Um, but the, little yeah, Musk on I, I I think Here that one way or the other it's very significant what yeah. what we're seeing here. Yeah. And uh, and I do as you said, it, the naked use of power here is whichever way it goes. Um, people have seen this now. It's massive, and they, you know, with Kanye, they I think they handled it really badly. They should have yeah. just, frankly, they should just have ignored it. Exactly. That, that would have that that would have been more of a show of confidence. But instead, they went nuts, and and they're still going on about it now. That they, they they don't know how. See, I think we've reached a point where they just don't have a reverse gear. They just no, don't know. No. It's like the guy who's drunk at the party, and he, it's funny at first, and people put up with it at first, and he's kind of cool, but eventually he's just overturning tables and punching people randomly, and he's just got completely drunk, uh, well, literally drunk. But in this case, they're drunk on their own power. They're they're so accustomed to getting their way that they just they don't know when to shut up.
That's right. Just just back off. And, and it's really it's going to work against them, I think. Oh, absolutely. And I like that Kanye West hasn't backed it down either. I really like that. This is uh, from a few days ago. I'm sure you saw it. But look at this. Uh, uh, he dropped the uh, the dreaded, uh, the, the, I guess it's just now refers to as the, the red, the red meme. Look at this here. The red are the executives that are Jewish at these companies. <laughs> Whoops. Fantastic. Is he, and, and again, people should ask, well, is he, is he, is he lying or is he telling the truth? Right. Again, we're, and we're not about that discussion now. The discussion is. When should he have been banned? Why did why wasn't he banned sooner? As opposed to like, well, is he is he right? And and when we realize that he is right and he's telling the truth, is that a good thing? Right? Do we want that? Is that the kind of you know is that the kind of uh, level of of control that we want to have within one? Depending on how you see it, a religious group, a ethnic group, or a religious ethnic group. Uh, do they have any interest? Why are they doing things that are advancing their interest all the time? There's so many questions coming out of this, but it's very interesting to see that they're going after these kind of, well, for lack of a better term, black celebrities, right? Ky Kyrie Irving, he's like a basketball player or something, right? A basketball American. But they're, um, that but is... It, but it all, that's that's another aspect yeah. to it. Because what this also shows is that the ADL ultimately doesn't care about black Americans. It of course will throw not. them no, under the no. bus. Oh, yeah. It will absolutely, it will destroy their lives if those black Americans say something against organized Jewish power. And the other thing it shows a lot of people is... Well, there is no organization doing this for white people, but there is an organization doing this for Jewish people. Yeah, and so, and and so, the 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 by by extension of that, who actually has the power here? Because you're yeah. in this society, because you're constantly allowed and encouraged to criticize and even hate white people and yeah. whiteness and so on. Yep. But here's an organization that will destroy your life if you speak in equivalent terms about. Jewish people. So yes. who's in charge of the society? Who dominates the society, really? Um, I mean, again, it just makes it all more obvious. And now, as we said earlier, we don't know when the NPC will stop being an NPC. For Probably for a great number of them, it was it's simply impossible for them to make that transition. Um, but for a lot of them, it will be possible. It's just like they need permission. They need permission to think this thing. They need permission to see this thing, to realize it, to, to understand what it is that's right in front of them. And yeah. uh, someone like Kanye West is actually very good at forgiving that permission because you know, whatever criticism, uh, criticisms you might make about him or his music, he is someone with a lot of stature in society. Yeah, and so, I mean, he, he's not a he's yeah. not a leader. I've heard that criticism. Like, what are you talking about? He's obviously like crazy or insane or something. And it's like, well, it's not even about it's not about the guy. He's not, no one's like looking at him for some leadership thing. We're just saying like, he's. Having, I'm not going to buy his music tomorrow. No, no, right? I mean, he he has his beef here for you know his own personal reasons, and you know, and that's fine. But that doesn't mean we can't uh, look at that and use that as an example. Obviously, again, it proves it proves our points. And it shows us that we that, that you have a group that has massively disproportionate influence and power, uh, and then just you know, to to assume that all of a sudden there is an entire group of 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 people that are 
you know, immune, if you will, to, to criticism or that we we should not be allowed to criticize them for whatever reason because they don't like that or whatever. Do you know yeah. what kinds of passes that that would give to them and what the damage that could be done in that process? And of course, we've seen some of that already with things such as open borders as just one of the things that that group has been particularly overrepresented in, for example. And there's so many other things as well. But like no, no one is Include, including BLM significantly. Right. Because as I said, they're now throwing black people under the bus. <laughs> yep. Yep. They got the, they got hubris. They don't they don't know when to stop. They don't know how they don't have they don't have tactic uh, tactics or timing or anything like that. They just like shut everything down. That is the mode, you know, kind of thing. And as they do that, they just prove everyone's point and they seem uh, uh spurgy and irrational and 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 dangerous too because they get destroyed billionaires. You know, absolutely, and anti-social as well. And you know, someone sent me a documentary that I'm I've yet to watch the whole thing, but I watched the first ten minutes. It's from 1994, and it's about the the internet. You know, and uh, people, futurologists, predicting how it's going to affect society and change society. And um, two in that first ten minutes, I think it had four people on camera talking. You know, and two of those four were Jewish. And one of them was Howard Rheingold, for example. And I can't remember who the other one was. But um, anyway, I looked, I thought, so this is what they were saying in 94. And it's, oh, the internet's going to be a fantastic democratizing force. It will free people up. <laughs> yeah. and it does away with authority. It means people can reach and their ideas will be judged on their own merits. And all that free marketplace of ideas. Just freedom, freedom, freedom. So I looked, <laughs> I thought, all right, okay. I wonder what these people are saying now. Uh, uh, nearly 30 years later, um, they're still alive, they're on Twitter, and they're active on Twitter, and they are. Trying to censor apoplectic. people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. Uh, this is dangerous. Howard, Rengold, Howard Rengold's talking about how you know, censorship is uh, better than allowing bullies and trolls to, uh, to stay on and uh, bully people, hurt people. And the, the other one is again raving about the dangers of anti-Semitism and racism, and uh, censorship. How, and the, another one was saying how awful it is that Elon's in charge of uh, Twitter now. Yeah. And um, so it's like amazing. It's just amazing. I always wondered because I had a sort of nostalgia. For, oh, I've got lots of nostalgia about the '90s, but one aspect of that in particular was that excitement that people felt about technology in the '90s and the internet specifically. And so I've always wondered what would become of those people. Like someone like Terence McKenna, I'm sure you're familiar with him. Oh yeah, the uh, yeah. And now, now, as it happens, I actually suspect that Terence McKenna would be more on our side. <laughs> I think he was. I think he was actually genuine. I think he actually probably was a like a genuine uh, nonconformist. But the the point is, most of these people who 30 years ago were ranting and raving about how you know how wonderful the internet's going to be, are now fully on board with the opposite of that. And I find that fascinating. Really, that, I yeah. mean, it's amazing. Because you see it in other aspects of the, the left, you know, how they're all up for one thing, and then 20 years later, they're, they're, they're pro-censorship. Yeah. For example. Yeah. Uh, but you see it with these ones as well, these techno, the cyber evangelists who are just so excited about it back then. <laughs> 
and yeah, it's going to it's it's, connect it's us often. all. I, I remember hearing some of that too. Like we're all going to be able to understand each other better, and you know, like <laughs> all these things. Connected. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It is. yeah, but and and but here's the thing. One of them, it was a woman called Lily Burana. Now, in the documentary from '94, she's going on about cyber sex and how you know, fascinating people will be able to uh, do all sorts of weird stuff, like the lawnmower man, you know, that kind of stuff, <laughs> and. Uh, the thing is, I had a look at her Twitter, and she's obsessed with anti-Semitism. She's Jewish. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sure she must be Jewish. And um, I didn't look long enough to check that specifically, she... but I'm sure she must be. <laughs> and uh, either way. But the thing is, she's still also going on about this, the techno-utopianism. She's, st she's saying verbal language will dissolve and be replaced by telepathy. Business meetings will be held over like uh, telepathically. <laughs> But we've got to ban the anti-Semites. Uh, of course, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Anybody that we don't like, we have to take these people out of circulation. And it's almost like, um, it, I mean, with the Elon thing, right? As he said in his tweets too, nothing has changed. We, we haven't, you know, they're still banning, but it's like the day after he took over, there's like another major ban wave and all that kind of stuff, right? Nothing's changed. We haven't changed anything. We haven't replaced any other people yet, whatever. If they had done nothing, that that this would not have been bad for them, right? But but now they might potentially have made an enemy out of the world's richest man. Well, for now, anyway, right? But is that is that really is that what you want to do? I mean, I, look, I hope that Musk wakes up. They say he has like oh, he has like 150 IQ, whatever you know. It's like I don't know. Okay, we'll see about that. This this should take care of that problem for us and 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 show us how how smart he actually is, right? But like, I complied with him. I told them we're going to fix all you all, all the things you want to do, and now they're trying to ruin me anyway. Go on. He needs to go on the offensive, and he needs to be more vocal than he ever has. This group is dangerous. The ADL needs to be taken. That needs to be destroyed. That's what be, that is the corrosion in our society. You know, the ADL is the virus. The ADL is the misinformation, disinformation group. They're the ones who are driving wedges between people. They're the the the, the baddies. They're the ones who are bullying people and driving their businesses out of power and stuff like that. I hope Absolutely. that he does that. I, th that would be the best uh, possible outcome here. I think. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's sure, I, I, I to tell. absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, this is one of these moments when it's an opportunity for something to be resolved. Yeah. Now, if he doesn't do it, there might be more opportunities in the future. Doubtless, there will be, but it, but the situation will be less favorable then. It will be more desperate. Yeah. Now, right now, this is an op a golden opportunity to change change the world. Actually. Um, I don't think it's anything short of that, really, when you think about it. I mean, the implications no, of no. it are massive. Yeah. Oh, yeah, ab absolutely. So I, I, so I, but, but he is really going to need balls to do it. Yeah. And um, I suspect that he won't do it. I suspect that he'll cave, but I hope he doesn't. I, I think you, I think so too. I think he'll, he'll try to appease them uh, to, to get off his back. And now all of a sudden, you know, he has 44 billion. Oh my God, I'm losing money now. What are we going to do? This doesn't work. You know, he's going to, he's going to chicken out. Uh, and, and some people would say, yeah, because that's like, he's, he's part of the, the, the game or, I mean, again, you wouldn't have a, you wouldn't have a guy like this to be an actual outsider and a rando who's like getting contracts with NASA to send up satellites and getting uh, contracts to, to tunnel uh, the, to, to, uh, the, with this boring company doing uh, tunnels under uh, Las Vegas and stuff. Like, he wouldn't be getting any of this stuff if he, was, if he wasn't part of them to a certain extent. Now, he might be a little eccentric and kind of out there, and, and, and there might be some net you know, positives here and there with him just being 
centrist and maybe he he slightly can you know uh, make the the far left crazies back off or something like that but um no he's not a leader i'm not saying i'm not, no one is looking towards him to to fix any of our problems really again it's just one of those situations that his beef is something that we can look at and and just say look this could be potentially at the end of the day beneficial to uh, to our side who want people to wake up to like those who are partially responsible for ruining our uh, our civilization and society and and those who have declared us as as their enemies and we got to have more people on our side and this is certainly bringing more attention to these kinds of things than than anything i can think of in 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 recent history you know what i mean Absolutely. I think that people on our side can often be too despondent. It's like we've had f so much failure, we've experienced so much disappointment that we just assume whenever there's a glimmer of hope, it must be illusory. And really, it's going to be another screw up. So don't bother getting excited. Don't bother hoping for anything. Well, I mean, I'm just not quite that burnt out. I'm right. pretty burnt out, but not that bad. Now, I think, no, it, it actually could go in our as we as we would like it to go um now I, as i said i think it's more likely that he will cave but i do yeah. think that there's a chance here that he could change the world instead nosferatu versus iron man who wins <clears throat> Taking bets right now. All right. Uh, very, very good stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Let me take a couple of these real quick here. Hexagod sends a, I think that's an Odyssey uh, coin uh, over on Odyssey. Thank you, Hexagod. Appreciate that. Uh, Eye of Odin says, do you think part of this war with Russia has to do with Israel becoming the newest, largest gas supplier to Europe? That is certainly not the main reason for this. But yes, as we kind of said before, they jump on these opportunities, a crisis, if you will, be, even if it's manufactured, not from their point of view, but someone else's. They jump on that and they say, oh, we can, you know, we, we can coincidentally just benefit tremendously from this. So, yes, that's that's definitely part of it. Then at the same time, you know, you think about things like the Belt and Road Initiative that we talked about and so many people put so much, you know, kind of credence to with China being kind of not one of the big cogs in this and Israel being a, 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 nothing else like a linchpin in that uh, new economic model and stuff like that. If it's true that China has like, is, is that bad off when it comes to their demographics? Some people have even said that they overcounted their people with like 100 million people or something like that. There's a way overbalance, much fewer women that, that, than there are men and things like that, which is even worse than for demographics, right? Uh, something like the Belt and Road Initiative might just be a dud, to be honest. You know, again, maybe they pull this off, or they have something up the trick up their sleeve, and they'll do it. Uh, but yes, I expect a lot of opportunists to to pop up here and try to uh, play savior, and that by also then you know benefiting from this financially, geopolitically, and stuff like that. And this is definitely part of it. Thank you, I have Odin for a reminder on that. Uh, Snygging says, "Gukvel Henrik, good evening, Henrik. Have a nice evening. Thank you. You as well. Or yeah, nice weekend, rather. Thank you. Good to see you, Snygging. God of Odin says, "Cheers from Gdansk. Uh, move went well. Glad to hear it. Uh, that's awesome. Hope you're enjoying it there." He says, "Interesting discussion. I stopped using social media for personal things, business stuff only now. Don't even show my personal status. No pictures of uh, of personal life whatsoever. When I realized that." Uh, when I realized that I was the product on social media, I uh, it was pretty intense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's all data-driven now. It's basically whoever can gather the most uh, data, not only personal, but like behavioral uh, data, uh, data about uh, you know, patterns of how different humans react and stuff like that. 
all that stuff is going to be fed in. That was actually one of the kind of, you know, conspiracy or whatever you want to call it about Musk is that he'll be able to utilize the, the vast database that Twitter offers uh, to feed into his uh, AI projects. I mean, we know he's been working on that, of course, with the uh, Tesla project. He had this robot rollout a while back. He's working on self-driving cars and stuff, and he's been, been developing AI of different things. I'm sure he has multiple reasons for why he did this. It's not just only because he's like, what was the official explanation? Musk gave was a, he loves humanity and just want to save uh, uh, save free speech because he thinks it's important for the future of civilization. That's a very noble and, and, and nice idea kind of thing. But I assume he has a lot of tricks up his sleeve. And, and as I said before, one of them is of course the X uh, X app, as he calls it, right? The the uh, everything app. And in fact, we can begin rounding off with this, but let's play that one clip of Musk actually talking about that, um, of basing it off of the WeChat app. So uh, check that they have in China. Check this out. The um, possibility of Twitter becoming kind of a super app with payments included, um, perhaps even Doge or something. This seems to me, uh, based on your work with, with David at PayPal, like a, a pretty brilliant idea. What's, what's the vision there in terms of if you were able to buy it, you know, perhaps at the right price? Um, what, what would it look like if you know, I could add Jason to add Elon Musk, you know, 10 bucks or something if you know, we, we were splitting a check or something? Sure. Well, for those that have used WeChat, I think that's WeChat's actually a good model. Um, if you're in China, it's basically you, you kind of live on WeChat. It does everything. Um, it's sort of like Twitter plus PayPal plus a whole bunch of other things and all roll into one with actually a great interface. And it's, it's really an excellent app. And we don't have anything like that um, outside of China. So uh, I think it, such, a, such an app um, would be really uh, useful. Um, and it just like the utility of, of it, uh, of, of sort of a, a spam free thing where you could you can make comments, you can post videos, you can, uh, you know, I think it's important for content creators to have a revenue share. Um, now, now this, this does not need to be done on Twitter. It could be done from something that's created from scratch. So it, it could be something new. Um, so really, but, but I think this thing needs to exist, whether it is uh, converting Twitter to uh, be the sort of like, kind of all-encompassing app that, that, like I said, everything from Digital Town Square where important ideas are debated, uh, you know, maximally trusted and inclusive, and at a point where you you're, you're sort of have a high trust situation, then, then payments, uh, uh, whether it's uh, crypto or fiat, uh, can, can make a lot of sense. Just, we just want something that's incredibly useful and that people love using. Um, so... That, 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 but it, it's, it's either convert Twitter to that or start something new. Those are the two. But it, it does need to happen somehow. All right. So obviously the path he took here is he was, well, he tried to back out of the purchase of Twitter, but then he was <laughs> forced into it, I guess, by a lawsuit or whatever like that. But regardless, that's uh, that's what it seems like his, his part, of, at least, of his ambition has been. Uh, and it's going to be very interesting then to see I guess how just plugged in he is to the elite because if he is financially ruined, if he if he has most of the things he's doing destroyed as a consequence of this, uh, or, or attacked on the level like we saw with Kanye, I, I guess I mean, what's your conclusion? Was that that would mean that he was like actually a genuine outsider who to just happened to get contracts with with NASA and stuff like that too? What what do you make of it? Yeah, I would say the the latter. I mean, uh, it, it is very possible that they will just ruin him or try to. Uh, and if, if so, then that would suggest to me that he's a genuine outsider. 
Um, it, it's also possible that he was an insider who eventually just had enough power of his own and enough ideas of his own to stray, uh, whether whether knowingly or not. Um, I mean, I don't think it's you see people, and you know, people will say this is naive of me, but I, I, people seem to have this idea that it's all or nothing. You're either in the elite or not, and I, I think that it's probably more nuanced like that than that. Like it is with most communities or most groups that you know someone will be in it for some time and then not. Uh, I think a similar thing with Vladimir Putin. I think he was in with the World Economic Forum, but then he strayed, and. Uh, and he had enough of his own power base to survive that. And I think Elon Musk probably does as well. Yeah. Well, that's the big question, really. You know, if he does, if he is a genuine outsider and he's and he continues with this straying from what they want, will he be able to pull it off? Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, we could we we could be looking at the uh a splintering so that he'll create his own payment pro processor, his own PayPal, because again, he was on board with that back at the start. Yeah, he created so, that. So, yeah. I mean, you know, any system only lasts so long, any empire only lasts so long, any civilization, any organism. So I think it's a mistake to think that everything is planned for, everything is bulletproofed, everything is coordinated and orchestrated and you know, fake and gay. Maybe some things aren't. And it would no, make I don't sense. No, I don't think so. No, that, that, yeah, exactly. It would make sense that not everything is fake and gay, right? <laughs> because the real things have to happen, and in the world, otherwise, it's just endless stagnation. Yeah. And and change has to happen in the world, otherwise, it's just endless stagnation. So, at some point, events, unforeseen things, people's egos, people's ambitions, are going to overcome the ability of the elite to contain them. And or, or events, chaos on the ground might even do that as well, um, as we were saying earlier. So, I mean, I don't, I just don't think that anything lasts forever. And at some point, we're we're going to see the the, you know, the cracks, the system falling apart, beginning to fall apart. And maybe we're seeing that now, or maybe not. Maybe it's maybe this isn't the the thing. Well, I guess we'll we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Regardless, I think we can uh, with uh, some confidence conclude that uh, we are heading for the, for that cliff in one way or another you know what i mean it's just like ever and, and it's closer than it's ever been and may, look maybe everyone always feels like that or whatever it's just getting more and more insecure or whatever but you know yeah the, I, there are so many things right now planned or not we have to act uh, and prepare accordingly uh, and as i said before the number one thing that we should be white-pilled about is that this will grant us the opportunity of of forcing us back into a community uh, and a tribe once again and that's what we have to do start building lay the foundations now for 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 institutions or things that will be there in the future or whether it's ultimately you know businesses that 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 pick up the slack for the things that will be lacking. There's a great opportunity with all of this kind of crumbling before our eyes right now. Get in on the action early, start small. You don't have to build things, you know, you, you don't build Rome over, overnight. Uh, it takes time. Be smart, use, you know, the, the knowledge and stuff that we share here, here and the trends and the research and, and many others do that as well. Utilize that to your advantage. Obviously, prepare accordingly. But the number one thing is we got to start working as a unit, as a group again. Get together with your people. Find your people. Move if you have to. Get get to where your people are, where, where, where we're at. Um, and get together. Help each other out. Uh, uh, have other people's back. Build the trust. Build relationship. That's, I, I, I think, the number one thing that we can do right now. Barring 
if you're someone who has a lot of resources and means or you have power and influence and you utilize that to your advantage uh, when the time is right, when the timing is right, you know what I mean? Could could come that one pivotal moment when, when you can have a decisive... Uh, uh, you know, a call on something, for example, and it might not seem big now or be significant even even now, but but long term, with the cascading effects of something, could have long term consequences later on. So just be be smart, uh, stay cool, uh, be calculative, study, learn, research, prep, do all those things, and then start building those those networks uh, kind of right now. All right, I think we're going to wrap up right there. Let me do it. Last few super chats here. We have Hexagod again says, uh, Henrik, love your videos. My fellow Swedish brother. Good to see you. Tack för att du tittar. Have another five. I'll see you on the next one. Thank you, Hexagod. Very kind of you. Uh, and I think we're caught up. Woz, tell us uh, your websites, where people can find your stuff and what you have coming up. Well, that's millennialwoz.com, which is on the screen there uh, right now. Uh, that's, that's my own website. Um, there is my telegram channel which is where i'm most active um and there's the uh the, the odyssey channel uh it's all linked from there and uh yeah there's the link tree i think i still have that uh we were banned so, yeah. from Linktree. <laughs> yeah i was banned. loads of people were banned but i found out someone told me if you just email them and tell them they've made a mistake then they'll restore your page and oh I really did it and, it, and yeah maybe with some rogue so, employer or something like that or employee i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay hmm. um so yeah there you go that's uh that's how to find me as i say awesome. most on telegram I, next year i'm going to be launching a, a Substack. i think that's uh that looks cool do you know if they could do I, they do videos on Substack too can you do video? I think there? you can. You, you can definitely do audio, uh, audio on there. Mm -hmm. okay. So I, I think you can do uh, videos as well. That's my weekly show. On uh, I put it up on Odyssey. I do it on Telegram. It's uh, started there um, a year and a half ago. Or, yeah, and um, yeah, it's it's a weekly thing. So that's quite nice. It's quite cozy uh, on Monday nights at ten p.m. British time, uh, which I think is like five p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then it goes up on Odyssey. Nice, very good. And uh, kickoff date again. Give us that for Millennial. Yeah, that's the tenth of December, and it will be signposted before that on and there, the, on my Telegram channel. And there's also a dedicated Millennial Telegram channel, and there's a dedicated Millennial website, Millennial.com. Uh, that's two L's and two N's and another L. <laughs> that's how you spell Millennial and Millennial. So um, they're quite easy to find. The dedicated Telegram channel has more information, more updates than I'll be posting on my main channel, uh, and no, like none of my opinions or you know, commenting on current affairs or anything. It's just about the festival itself. So it's a weird to call it a festival, but it's really become that <laughs> at this stage. <laughs> so uh, um, yeah, there we go. I think it's bring your be tents. We'll camp up. Have some beers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 60, 65 streams, something in that region, which was what I did last year as well. Nice. Very so. good. All right, Woz, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate your uh, time. Thank you for jumping in kind of last minute here. I appreciate you, and thank you for your, uh, your good uh, p uh, takes on some of these things and a very good conversation. Uh, keep up the good work, and, uh, yeah, we'll see you on uh, Millennial here uh, soon. Now. I've got to book in a, a time, I guess, too, but uh, in due time, we'll oh. fix that. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, right. and I hope that... Hope you'll enjoy hearing this. Awesome. Thank you. See you later. Thank you. Okay.
All right, boys and girls, there we go. We are off the record uh, soon here. Uh, we're going to just wrap up. I wanted to, we've gone over time, but that's fine. It was actually a very interesting conversation here today with Woes. I just want to give a shout out, of course, to our executive producers, as we usually do at the end of the show. T. Lothrop Stoddard, V. Resin, uh, v. Miller, rather, Resin Revolt, Good Luck Lap, Jake, Red Pill Rundown, Chalky Milk, French 47, Mark Smith, No One Jeebs, President Obunga, Catch Me If You Can, and Mongoose. That's our executive producers. And then we also have Mr. Walker 696, Johan Son, and Leroy Dumond as uh, producers. Thank you, boys and girls. Uh, if you want to check that out, we have those uh, producer and executive producer tiers uh, both on our Odyssey. We also have them on Subscribe Star. So whatever uh, works best for you, uh, subscribestar.com slash red ice. And the uh, Odyssey is simply odyssey.com slash at red ice TV. And uh, check those out. Odyssey is, is uh, pretty good, actually, because they're definitely better with fees and things like that. So it's more for us and less for uh, third uh, parties, middlemen. Uh, so that's definitely one. You can also get a membership, of course, as a, a regular membership, so to speak, on uh, on Odyssey. Uh, but you can also get it at redicemembers.com. Uh, that's uh, very easy as of right now, anyway. Uh, but we do have a couple of other methods. If you get an account over at redicemembers.com, we just need an email and a username. You can use any email and username. There's no link really between you and, and that. We don't store anything on our end. There's a number of different methods you can sign up. They're all listed on redicemembers.com uh, right now. Subscribe to one of them, but also on Odyssey. And as I said before, uh, just for the record, we're going to start kind of filling up some of those um, uh, older, some older shows as well here and there on Odyssey. Uh, you know, but, but obviously we don't have the whole archives there uh, listed. So if you want to, if you sign up on Odyssey and want to get access on RedAssMembers.com, just send us an email, let us know your username, and we'll kind of activate uh, an account for you over at RedAssMembers.com as well. All right, thank you, boys and girls. Uh, appreciate you. We'll be back with more soon, of course. Hope you enjoyed the show. I certainly did. Thank you, everybody. We'll be back a little bit later. Until then, take care and uh, keep fighting. See you soon. watching go to redicemembers.com and sign up for our exclusive members content don't miss our latest shows interviews and other videos only for subscribers you can also become a member by signing up at subscribestar.com forward slash red ice get full access and help support our work see you on the other side